Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to a brand new installment of the greatest, I'm not even going to say greatest horror movie podcast, the greatest podcast in the known multiverse. Uh Why, it's dead and lovely. Here with the host with the most, he's Hollywood Steve. And I'm Uncle Ben. There you go. (laughs) And I just ate all of the pho. Did you? I'm so there's full none of left. pho right now. Yeah, wow. there's none left in the world. I hope nobody was wanting some because I just caused a worldwide shortage. Uh-huh. It was the last of a homemade <laughs> batch of frozen broth that Kate made sometime in the spring. And my, I miss it already, I'll tell you this. Mm. It's great stuff. I love me some pho. I could eat pho on the daily. I really don't Fuck think I could ever like, yes. get tired of it. How you been doing this week, Stu? Man, I've been doing. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's getting it. Doing it. Yeah? Doing it, doing it, and doing flipping it well. It, reversing it? Throw my thing down, flipping it, and reverse it. Wow, did you yeah. really? Yep. Hmm. I got all of those things accomplished in one week. <laughs> so, bring That's it. That's quite the to-do yeah. list. Yeah, uh-huh. I imagine you checking this thing off. It's like, well, let's see. First, I've got to throw my thing down. Uh-huh. Then After I that, flip oh, it. I need to flip it, but then like reverse, reverse it. it. From that point. If you flipped it, then reversed it, why didn't you just leave it be the way it was? Oh, shit. She could have just threw her thing down and probably left it. I threw my thing down and left it on the floor. Well, the thing is, though, is I think that that's a really positive spin on, like, okay, then I flipped it. Oh, that was a mistake. Oops. Yeah, exactly. Rather than going, oops, like, go yeah, and then I reverse it. This yeah. is what I do, y'all. Yeah. Put the thing down. You flip it, and you're like, I don't like it that way. You reverse so it. So you, you reverse it. But it was all part of the plan. It yeah. Was all we figured Missy out. <laughs> <laughs> what you been watching this week, Steve? Anything good? Well, I'm going to mention two things, and neither one of them are good. Yes! I uh, like it already. On Friday night, we had our, our weekly stream and chat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the and old we Facebook streamed group. Bloody Bloody Bible Camp and R-O-T-O-R, the Robot Ker- the Robocop Terminator? Robo-Term-Copinator. Robo-Terminator, maybe, is what it's called? I don't remember. Yeah, Robo-Terminator. That's I don't it. know either of these, but they both sound fabulous. Tell me about a bloody, bloody, bloody Bible, Bible camp. Bloody Bible camp is all of the scenes in a porn except for the sex. Ooh. Yeah. What's the point? It's, um, it's a camp slasher that isn't it's not it's it's bad it's so it's real bad the porn minus i mean the it was sex, funny uh, how bad it was there's the guy who brings the pizza yeah there's a a plumber <laughs> right none of these people show up unfortunately but ron jeremy does play jesus no yeah the hedgehog that's the one plays the king of kings uh-huh lord of lords holy 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 <laughs> So it's not good though. I mean, it was it was good for streaming and drinking and chatting and talking shit about. That, okay. I mean, that's yeah. exactly what these movies are. These are the type of movies we're probably never, ever, 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 ever gonna cover on the show. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's great because I don't need to know who the director or writer of the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> All so I need to shit. know is this is real bad, and I'm enjoying this drink. Do you think that whenever people make these movies and they like pitch them to big you know, movie execs, they're like, I know what you're thinking, but this is deliberately the kind of movie that you make just so people can drink and talk shit about it. And they're like, oh, that kind of movie. Oh, right. Green, green yes, light. I would love to invest money in that. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. So that people can sarcastically and ironically enjoy a shit yeah. movie. <laughs> I guess. I think, I think really most of the time it is like... Just because you can write a script doesn't mean it needs to be made. 
<laughs> and just because you know the right rich person doesn't mean you need to get your dad to give you $300,000 to make this shitty movie that your friend wrote. But I love the idea about a slasher at a Bible camp. That's something yeah, that I've I been like that idea too. I was hoping while. it would be really like, you know, good instead yeah. of being Remember that one slasher? That was cool. Let's do that thing that they do. Oh, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That Done sounds unfortunate. Done with those movies, man. <laughs> I just can't. Like, if you can't come up with something creative and new and interesting, no one needs your version of Sleepaway Camp. If you can't come up with a horror movie <laughs> that's new. If you can't come up with something that is original, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but then Robo Robo Terminator or whatever was like whoever made it was like an absolute insane genius. It's yeah? so fucking bad. You can't imagine somebody could be that bad at making movies if they were like a sane person. Right. So he's like it must be someone who's just out of their brain like they have a 275 IQ and they're like no 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 you don't get it <laughs> holy shit yeah, and you're just watching it like I guess I don't yeah this is, is way that above just my a head. kind of tall guy with a mustache playing a robot <laughs> he's not even that tall <laughs> it's like if Piet Mondrian made a yeah. made a movie <laughs> yes. it's like it's just yellow and blue and red squares and it's like oh, no yes. you don't get it yeah this is a horror movie it shows how much you know <laughs> damn that sounds horrible is it, it one great. of those things like uh, like fucking uh, Indian Spider-Man where it's just it a piece like of that. garbage it was, it was kind of like that but yeah. it was I think it was Canadian or something uh, Dave Bechet recommended Ryan recommended Ryan Garns recommended bloody bloody bible camp and it was you know romp roar and fun time making fun of it yeah and then dave came along and was like have you guys seen robo terminator <laughs> nope we haven't one and thing i'll boy, say about now dave, we have he's an idea man he is he's got good ones he's a mover and a shaker and i've seen him shake yeah uh-huh i've seen him move I've seen him do the harlem shake oh that's still popular right yeah that's what the kids are all doing they're making harlem shake videos or yeah those uh those freeze frame videos right right dude i'll tell you what i can't figure out vine compilations are so unbelievably popular yeah. and that app has been dead forever yeah for a few years yeah why don't they bring it back because obviously people i don't like know it. why somebody doesn't just bring back something similar i know right it can't be that expensive i liked vine yeah vine was fun you know it's like instagram came out and they're like oh you can put videos on here and they're a minute long and it's like yeah. that's fun and all it's but not the same yeah yeah because vine the is limitation what, like was the fun yeah it's like i think it was 15 was it yeah, yeah it's not like that well i mean it's just like why twitter overtook all these like live journals and blogs and shit yeah. like this the limitation lets you just get straight to the point makes you get straight to the yes, point you know it does it'd be like if we did like a 10 minute long podcast oh god <laughs> that'd be awful that'd be terrible we yeah. wouldn't get to anything no <laughs> we would be we would do our british accents for like five minutes uh, and a jeff foxworthy impression a jeff foxworthy impression probably a little michael mcdonald throw in something that we uh zoe deschanel yeah throw in something that we only like 
tangentially understand, but we talk about a good bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then boom, 10 minutes is up. <laughs> well, see you guys next week, I guess. <laughs> oh, also, the movie was fine. See ya. I guess you could boil our show down to 10 minutes, but yeah, super I, like, cut. I like it the way we do it. Keep it long for him. <laughs> that sounds like a good time, man. I was far too fucking busy this week uh, to stop in and join the fun, but it seems like it would have ah, been yeah. a good time to watch these shitty movies. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We always have, I mean, we always have... Uh, I'd say about five to ten people will show up. Um, mm. Sometimes your wife or my wife will drop in. You'll drop in. But normally, just same core group of people talking shit and drinking. And it's a lot of fun. That's my idea of yeah. a great So if time. you guys want to join, it's uh, just go join the Facebook group. And it's at the top of the Facebook group, right below the, the Dead and Lovely logo. You'll see chats. Click on that, and you can join the... The it's called the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs chat because that's how we started it. Right, is us just drinking and let Joe Bob pick the movies, but now we're picking the movies and it's fun. It's real fun. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Friday I was babysitting. Yeah, watching some baby because were we, there any adventures? Uh, no, not a single one. Damn. No so adventures in show up. Mm-hmm. No, nothing like that at all. All right. Pretty normal stuff. Pretty normal stuff. Uh, rode a kid around in a wagon. Just on her back? You, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was okay, I guess. You were like, yeah, go. I carried a baby in a stroller down some uh, some stairs outside. Yeah. I have never been so cautious about not dropping something in my life. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of intense. Yeah. Because it's like a long flight of like stone Oh, you can steps. drop babies. They bounce. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. She's buckled in. She's been fine. <laughs> We were watching that baby because there's a funeral that, that the baby's owners had to go to. The baby's owners, yeah. And then Saturday was Pride Fest in Knoxville, which yes, was, was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, fucking... Had a lot of friends go down there. It was fucking great. It was awesome, man. Really, really fun time. And then Sunday, we were so exhausted from all the stuff that we had going on that week. That we just kind of got home and we were like, we're not doing anything today. Because yeah. in the middle of all this, too, like Kate's car broke down in Knoxville. Oh, that sucks. Have, yeah. Just all kinds of madness and stuff. So Sunday, we were like, we're home. Fuck it. We are just staying home and doing nothing and being worthless all day. So we watched a bunch of stuff. We started off by watching the Star War, A New uh, Hope. Ooh. I'd seen that one a, a good time Star or two War. before. It is. It might be my favorite Star War. Oh, yeah? Really? A New oh. Hope might be it. You know okay. I'm a sucker for like a setup and a world yeah. building and an origin story and stuff, though. So I just love it, man. But it did kind of strike me how I don't think they really made a big enough deal about the fact that Luke Skywalker came home to his little space igloo to find the bodies of his lifelong guardians, his yeah. aunt and uncle, charred down to just smoldering meat yeah. skeletons. Yeah, they, they weren't mean to him. He loved them. Yeah. I and mean, it's just like, all right, well, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems like that should have had fun, some, like, it was a gas, guys. really it's serious a, yeah. effects on Luke. Yeah, I think one suffers a lot from... A lot of issues because it really wasn't like it wasn't the first attempt at making something like this a space opera but the others had been real lame and they would all be lame after so basically it was like this could have failed miserably and there are a lot of like cut corners I would say in the Mm -hmm. script but it still does a great job of setting up the main characters and setting up the world. And oh yeah, just without that entire like universe. too much exposition. Yeah, yeah. And they say that there were a lot of other like earlier edits of the movie that yeah. were just fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. And all, everybody on set wasn't sure what they were making. They were pretty, you know, 
worried that it was just going to fail terribly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one is amazing, especially considering they didn't know what was going to come of it. Uh, I don't know. I think I like Empire better. I was going to say, like, Empire is probably a better movie. Yeah. You know, actually, I'll say it certainly is a better yeah, movie. A better the movie. direction and stuff yeah. is much, much better, and the budget and everything is great. But that first one is just so fun. I got to thinking about it, and it's like, I, I don't know if there's ever been a year of my life that I haven't watched the Star War. I, I maybe have. I would say I have. I haven't gone a year without watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, nice. But I'd say there have been a few years where I was just like, oh, whatever. But now I like to go back and try to watch all of them, like... Even that original, tr- I haven't watched the f- like episode one right in yeah. a long, long time because I skip it in my rewatches because it's, it's just not necessary. so bad. Yeah, dude. it's so fucking bad. But I think I still I need have only. To re-watch it. I think I've only seen Phantom Menace maybe twice. Yeah, I would say twice is accurate for me because I saw it in the theater and then saw it on video. Yeah, there was a weekend we got snowed in here maybe about six or seven years ago and we we're like let's watch the entire star war yeah and so we watched one two three four five six i think that's the only time i've seen it outside of theaters like when it came uh, out it's so fucking bad dude he's real bad and it doesn't have a lot that's important no not for really. like the the full story it really it does a whole lot of setting up and exposition but not a whole lot of important stuff I'll drink to that one, Steve. Let's get us a, let's get ourselves a cold beer here. All right, then. What we got here? All right. We just cracked open a Bearded Iris Catalyst. Catalyst. Which, which is uh, Bearded Iris in, was that, Nashville? Yeah, they're in yeah, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville, yeah. This is an Imperial IPA of theirs, and it is a nine and a half percenter. Ooh. Yeah. It's a big old boy. That's, it's a big yeah. old boy. Kate picked this up at the old Merchants Beer the other day. I had one of them, and it is... It's awesome. Oh, okay. It is it is kind of like a more dank, more funky, hoppier, less sweet version of their acclaimed home style. Okay. You know, IPA. I like that home style. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I have a feeling you'll probably really dig this okay. one. I think you'll like it a lot. What do you think Whoa. about that? Yeah. That's got a kick on it. It does. It, I mean, it does taste like a 9.5% beer. Sometimes we have some of these and it's just like they're That's so... That's great though. It is, right? A lot of times we have these and they're so sweet that you can't really taste how alcoholic no. they are. No, this is this has got a, a kick to it for sure. Yeah, and it is a bit more dry. Uh-huh, but you still get that great citrus and... A little bit of that pine taste to it. Mostly citrus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. I like it a lot. It's really good. So we also watched wow. the entire, I think it's like a four-part series of the Ted Bundy tapes. Okay. On Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. It was great. Okay. I thought that it was really good. A cool watch, I've heard, I've heard good things about it, but I haven't sat down and watched it yet. Mm-hmm. It was definitely worth a watch. I think you'd really enjoy yeah. it. The editing is, uh, is fantastic and just the way the whole thing is kind of uh, put together. Cool. Is really cool and it spliced together with a lot of like How long interview are the footage. Parts? About I think an about hour? forty-five minutes or so, oh, okay. something like that. That's pretty short then. About Ish. three hours over overall. Yeah, something like that. Something like that, and you know, it kind of covers his uh, his entire life basically. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked yep. up. Became a Mormon at one point. Yeah, I don't think they they didn't talk about that specifically. They talked yeah. about how he's married to that chick that was mm-hmm. a Mormon. Yeah, but they they didn't. Can, they didn't uh, put it in there that he was also a member of the church. I forgot about that, yeah. actually. Hmm. Yeah. That'll teach you a bit. If any Mormons listening out there that are holding on to that spirit of discernment idea, your priesthood leaders can't discern fucking shit. 
Ted Bundy. <laughs> Ted was among them. Yes. But there's all kinds of like interview footage of him on like the news and all this stuff before he became yeah, you know, he liked an the infamous att- serial he killer. He loved the attention and loved to feel like he was like smarter than everybody and getting away with everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's a common thread among a lot of serial killers mm-hmm. is this thing where they attention. just feel like, yeah, well, and also just the superiority, like yeah. I'm above everything. Yeah, I can't BTK was like that working with the cops and stuff oh, the yeah, whole time. Oh, yeah, totally. And, mm-hmm. Oh, man, that guy was such a piece of shit. Yeah, did you? Oh, man, I remember when he got sentenced, like his, I think I've talked about this before, but his like closing statement hmm. basically was just nitpicking tiny things about the, like, uh, about his crimes, uh, praising the police and talking highly about them. Like, it was basically like he didn't realize, like, you're going to, j- you're not getting out and getting to be a part of the police force again. Like, you're going to jail forever, dude. Like, yeah. Just say what you want to say. You don't have to say the police force was great. Just be like, ha ha, fools. I murdered a bunch of people. God, what a piece of shit. I would like more of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think we uh-huh. need more criminals. <laughs> we need more criminals who, when they've just been caught, they're just like, ha ha, you mere, mere mortals. <laughs> I will go down in history as a murdering son of a bitch. Like, yeah. There was that one big. kid in Ohio who, he was like, he did a school shooting or something, but like, whenever he was being sentenced, he talked to the families and said, like, uh, the same uh, hand that I used to murder your sons, I used to jerk off to the memory. Jesus Christ. Like, that's fucking terrible. But Ooh. it's also like, I know he's bad. Clearly I, the yeah, bad there's guy. There's not going to be any point where he's going to convert and we're all going to be fooled. Maybe we, we should know give him a he's a chance. bad, bad dude. Yeah. I just wish that bad people would start having those big curly handlebar mustaches again. For real. That they twirl about with wax. And ridiculous upper bodies, but tiny little legs. Yeah. yeah. I miss those Fisticuffs. days. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Tie you to the train tracks. You know, there was that prison in, I think it was like Arizona or somewhere where like the, the warden made all the inmates wear like pink jumpsuits mm-hmm. and all this crazy weird stuff. Yeah. What if there was another prison though where they just made them all wear monocles and have curly mustaches and stuff? Yeah. Like you have to be 1920s silent yeah. film bad guys. Yeah. The gymnasium is just big triangular weights and medicine <laughs> made balls. Made of wood. Hup, 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 you have to hup, say hup, that hup. the whole time. <laughs> hup, 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 hup. Excuse me, sir. I do not hear you hopping. <laughs> Sorry, Warden. Hop, you hop, 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 you hop, wouldn't want to go to the hole, and the hole's an actual hole it's out just in the a yard. Hole yeah, they just throw you in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. You take yeah. it back to that. Yeah, Ted Bundy tapes were definitely uh, a cool watch. Though. I had to check that definitely out. Yeah. I don't know why I love learning about the, the serial killers and stuff so much. I think, but it's, I really do. I, I've I've said I think on this show, but I, I certainly have said in conversation before. I think for sure that the desire to understand serial killers has to do with a desire for control. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like if you can understand them, you can avoid them. Mm. Or, may, or maybe if I ever find myself being murdered by one, I can be like, oh God, I'm being stabbed to death. I'm sorry you wet the bed and your parents were mean to you and you set fires <laughs> in your kid, huh? Oh, you probably had a strong maternal figure and no dad. Oh, I understand. Oh, stop killing me. Right. He's killing me. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Those were cut lines from Friday the 13th Part 4. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> he was trying to it's explain. Like burn. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think a lot of it, uh, especially because 
women are so fascinated by serial killers yeah i think a whole lot of that does have to do with that control where it's like if i can if i can understand and see the signs of it i can avoid it because yeah. women are more often the victim i was gonna say yeah kate and i were having that conversation a while back because i was and i was like why are so many chicks like into learning about serial killers and stuff mm-hmm. and she's like because they kill us yeah and i was mm-hmm. like oh right Right. right. Yeah. Yes, they do. You like need if to, a man you gets about diagnosed him. with cancer, he's like, wait a second. Cancer's like a real big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, women are walking around the whole time like, yes, also serial killers, <laughs> rapists, uh, domestic abuse. Any of these things catching in your head? No, and you're like, don't yeah. ring a bell. But I got Not cancer, so it's like a big deal. <laughs> That's how, that is how men are pretty much. We, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're good at making our problems everybody's problem kind of sort of yeah yeah <laughs> well steve i'm very excited to talk about this week's movie as it is uh one of our very first actually our very first patreon yeah listener pick yeah this was picked by katie um who else somebody else also yeah somebody else put in a vote for this one as well so it was doubly damn it likely to come I probably should have wrote that down i apologize blank blank fill in the blank here say your own name right here in the podcast Uh, you'll know who you're talking about just so you know the reason why when we pulled 28 days later we only had katie written there is because we put 28 days later in twice so since it was recommended twice so in the future if you guys see a movie that you really want us to do that somebody else has recommended Recommend it again. It gets another shot to perhaps get pulled. It's even more likelier. Yeah, even more likelier. Heather Likelier. (laughs) Remember her in the 80s? I remember her. Yeah, Heather Likelier. I'd like to give a big old shout out to all of uh, our other patrons who support us on there. You guys are just so damn good to us. You're better than we deserve. Shout outs for the beginning of July, Ben. Oh, boy. And while you pull those up, I'm just going to remind you guys if you enjoy our our silly show and want to say thanks, you guys can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely and show us some support uh we're gonna have some more merch and stuff like that coming up really soon that you guys will have first access to and all kinds yeah. of goodies and yeah we're planning a bunch of fun stuff so get your name on that list today all right so we got some shout outs molly curran or curran yeah I molly homegirl what's yeah. up thanks so much for the support you're awesome uh krista dorico krista dorico oh krista that's some you're of my favorite people we're fixing to go to the beach with old krista oh are you yeah, awesome she's a good old friend it's gonna awesome, be a good time man. dan voss dan voss dan voss the boss <laughs> dan voss the boss yeah. owner of voss the boss haircuts very good <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a fella named Space Age what has a ghost uh, picture for his little what you call he? Oh, he's a space ghost. He's a space ghost. No, I mean, I'm mean the band ghost. ghost. But okay. Oh, the band. Oh, got it. <laughs> Casey Boyer. Casey Boyer. And Chef Boyer Case. Chef Boyer Case. <laughs> Making them raviolis. Ugh. Mushy, mushy raviolis. Oh, True story. Chef Boyardee. I've no. never had anything Chef Boyardee in my I've entire life. I've only had uh, the I had the ravioli once because I saw it on TV all the time, and I think it was like 12 or something, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to try Chef Boyardee because my mom wasn't a canned food fan. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I tried it, and boy, it tasted like... Like dog food wrapped inside of a mush pillow. That's what I've always and ketchup on it. Ugh. Yeah. That's what I always kind of expected it to be like. Mm-hmm. Because there's no well, saving you, your expectation was correct. Ugh. There's no saving any kind of like pre cooked pasta. It's no. always just going to be mush. It's gonna be mush, yeah. 
gross. And Good to know I wasn't missing out on anything. We got one more shout out. I don't think I have shouted him out, but Brandon Wood sent us a one-time donation. Woo! Wanted to shout him out. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you so much. Creepy guy in the bushes. That's my man. There you go, man. Well, thank you guys so much for the support. You guys are the best, and we'll be doing these drawings periodically. Uh, to determine a movie that you guys have chosen for the show. Yeah. So if you're on the, what is it, $5 above level? Yeah, $5 you can you can donate. Um, or you can uh, recommend one movie, and we will have these periodically. But just this month, we, we drew 28 days later, but then we let our Facebook group vote on all of the rest of the recommendations. And we will be covering the top three vote getters at the end of this month. So just be on the lookout for that after a Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban episode Wild next week. Card. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, you guys chose some quality Hell, shit. Yeah, that's why I was happy to let everybody vote on them because it was just like, oh, these are great movies. Yeah, Might really. as well, yeah. Right. And there's a bunch of them that I'm like, I can't believe we've not done I know, these like movies Alien? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some big old titles <laughs> coming up. So we'll be talking about those. But today we're going to be talking about... 28 Days Later. Mm, yes. Uh, which a is a fine cycle. film. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. A British film. British. A good time. A good old time. And it's a zombie time. It is a zombie time. Now, a lot of people would say these aren't zombies, but we'll talk about that in a little okay, bit. Okay, all right. We'll get we'll, into what we'll exactly a is a zombie. Yeah. yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, there's a lot of the parts in this movie, especially where, you know, the, you got people running from these frantic uh -huh. hordes of zombies and it's very action-packed and stuff. It kind of made me think about video games. Yeah, it did a good bit. And there's a good reason for that because one of the main inspirations, and we'll get into this a little bit more in depth, but one of the main inspirations for this is 1996's Resident Evil. Oh, the video game uh -huh. for the PlayStation. That's the one. Very interesting. Yeah. So, Steve, I say that before we get into the movie review portion of the show, let's slippity slide on into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And I just want to spend a second here and talk about our top five favorite zombie video games. <laughs> oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I didn't know Lana Del Rey was going to show up, but it's she's here. It's me, it's Lana Del Rey. True story. Sorry, I just woke up. I'm, I'm very sleepy. True story that I can't go too into because this is someone else's story, but uh -oh. I, I am close friends with somebody who went to college with her. And that person does not like Lana Del Rey. Oh, my. Yeah. That makes Did two of us. Did not have great things to say about her. Ooh. So. I'll tell you what. I think she sounds very lazy, the way that she, she sings. I don't yeah. think she has a good work she ethic. She has a lot. Of, she's got she's no. the Michael McDonald of women. No. Don't disgrace Michael McDonald like that. <laughs> well, no. She's putting in the no. If he was doing it, it'd be, All I want to do is play video games. Go and play your video games. <laughs> No, you're doing it all wrong now. You gotta make your voice go up and down. That's the point of singing. That's a little better. Now just add some volume and sing from the back of your throat Michael through a pillow. I want this to be a video of Michael McDonald trying to teach Lana Del Rey to put a little bit of zhuzh in her voice. <laughs> just put something into it, you know? 
I like it. Now, I'll put it out there that Steve and I are by no means any kind of like mega no. up-to-date hip season video gamers. That's true. I, I spent my early years being physically unable to play a sport or ride a bike. Yeah. Or really do anything that was cool in the 80s I or early 90s. All so I played video things, games. But I played video games as well. Yeah? Yeah. Seems like you got in more video game time. And I would have liked that. Yeah. But I did also like playing sports and riding bikes and whatnot. Oh, boy stuff, huh? Boy stuff. Doing well, stuff with cool guys. Huh? I mean, my sister was with us, so it was like co-ed. Wait, so when you had one of those <laughs> signs on your bedroom door that said, no dorks allowed. Yeah, no. You were talking about me. Right, yeah. If I had seen you with books, bam! Slap them right out of my I hand. never would have done that. Ever. I never did do that. But you would have been like, sick bowl cut, dweeb. No, I had a bowl cut, too. <laughs> you would have been like, sick bowl cut, friend. Awesome. You want to hang out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about dinosaurs or sharks? And I would have said, maybe game. I was very shy. Yeah, okay. it kind of was, because I was so shy as a young man. <laughs> I probably would have said it something like that. Yeah. I was just ahead of my time, man. I get Everybody it, man. loves video games. Everyb- yeah. Everybody loves mumbling. That's true. Everybody Mumbling loves ha- haircuts way up there on where everybody. it's like kind of shaved under. I had all that oh, stuff yeah. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had that too. That was a great one. I, was also I actually e- technically kind of have that right now. A little bit. You get yeah. there. I was also extremely wayfish and skinny. People love all this shit now. That's true. All those things are way cool. It's ahead of my time. <laughs> it's ahead of my time, Steve. So I grew up playing video games and stuff and uh, was really hardcore into it and kind of had kind of cut myself off around maybe the, the PS3 era. Okay. That's when my music life really kind of took over and stuff. But yeah. I played myself a good deal of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, right. and other friend systems like uh, N64 and stuff sure. like that. So some of our choices on this list aren't necessarily the best zombie games ever oh, yeah. we've played them all and we're, we're not experts. we're not going to be naming daisy or any of those more modern <laughs> games yeah that look fun and look i've like heard a lot they're, of fun i've heard they're awesome there's yeah. a lot that i've heard uh, that i really 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 need to check yeah. out i just uh instead of checking them out i haven't if it's past xbox 360 i also have not played it okay <laughs> yeah so this is a very limited in scope list yeah but hey you guys can tell us what we're missing out on why don't you kick us off on this listomania here, Steve? Well, Ben, when I think about zombies, I immediately think about the Fallout series of games. Fallout. Awesome. Fallout. So I've never played a Fallout before. Yeah. Okay, so in Fallout, they're called ghouls, and some yeah. of them aren't uh, the way you would expect zombies to be. They're basically just... Uh, on the exterior, they look like zombies, but their brains still work and everything. But the in Fallout 3, if you ever ran across a ghoul reaper... Ghoul reaper? Or, uh, in, or is a reaver? Reaver. Ghoul if you ever came reaver. across a reaver, it was... As frightening to me as coming across a like a super mutant, like the the real big. Well, you haven't played Fallout, nope. Uh, or a Deathclaw, like the Reavers were fucking insane, scary. Okay. Um, there's so many like Fallout. All of the Fallout series has these ghouls, of course, because they're they were exposed to nuclear fallout. Crazy. Oh, that's the yeah. hence the name. The hence the got name. It, got yeah. it. Um, but I think really in Fallout 3, they were the scariest to me because they really could devastate you. By Fallout New Vegas, they're, um, I mean, they still look gross, 
but they're just not as frightening out in the open. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is one of the things that when you see in a zombie movie, zombies out in the open, there has to be a lot of them for it to be scary. Because if it's just one, it's like I have everywhere to run. But if it's a big group, then, you know, yeah, I'm out, out in the open works. But normally you need zombies in close, like, situations like a house and hallways and stuff like that where there's nowhere to go except through them. Some of the Fallout, some of the Fallout 3 stuff especially is those tight quarters, real scary, real hard to defeat ghouls. So I think it's, they're probably not the scariest zombies in any game, but they're my favorite. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I need to play those games. I have a lot of friends and stuff that have just oh, been man. obsessed with them, <laughs> yes. And it's all kind of like survival. Yeah. But it's still kind of action-y. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Liam Neeson plays your dad in Fallout 3. Liam Neeson plays Steve Eller? Yep. He plays your dad. That's crazy. It's crazy. I know. How'd they find out about him? <laughs> but it, yeah, it's got a lot of action to it. Uh, Danny Trejo plays a character in Fallout New Vegas. Wow. A lot of action to it, but also a lot of like um, a lot of real interesting made up history because it's 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 set in a period where basically the 1950s style had continued into like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. With uh, who's the little dude that's like the the kind of poster boy for fallout oh uh are you talking about the pit boy pit boy yeah 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 yeah. the little fallout guy yeah there's like so much of that influence of the 50s style and like they have the cars have nuclear engines and stuff it's basically like just this world where the nuclear era had expanded instead of being basically protested down by people who Mm. were like that's scary and we don't want it um and then of course big nuclear war and people stay in these bunkers, these fallout bunkers that were made by this company. And all of them basically are part of a huge experiment. Sounds <laughs> awesome. It's it's real awesome. I love fallout. It's, it's like uh, the Elder Scrolls games, but set in a dystopian future instead of a fantasy world. Uh, I love it. It's amazing. Sounds killer, yeah. man. I need to check those out one of these damn days. One of these nights. <laughs> Ooh, one an eagle. Boy, they're litigious as fuck. Let's just oh, put the brakes on that right there. <laughs> I mean, Wait, I that's not the eagles. I, you I were just freestyling. to kill all the lawyers and do it tonight. <laughs> what? You, oh, hey, if you don't stop naming these eagles lyrics, I'm going to find your inner child and kick its little ass, okay? I get it. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> get over it, okay? Ben, name one. Give me a zombie uh, game. One of my favorite early zombie games that I played as a as a kinder child mm-hmm. would be a Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Which okay. I mentioned on the last you episode. You did, and I had not played it. I downloaded the ROM. Oh, sick. I haven't played it yet. But oh, I can't wait for you to play it, dude. I can't wait for you to play it. Because I, I, need, I need to get this video game streaming going up. Maybe I yeah. start with Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Keep it real, man. Yeah. Keep it real. It's so fun. It's like a colorful fun cartoony world mm-hmm. it's kind of a action shooter sort okay. of thing with great big maps the levels are just these big kind of open maps that you that you wander around and try to find an exit out of and stuff so it's not like a you know like a side scroller like what would be typical of games of that uh-huh. time period really fun i remember the soundtrack being really good too i need to go back and dig through that soundtrack there's probably some fun stuff i could do for that for like halloween or something yeah you know? make a video about how to play them zombies ain't my neighbors yeah uh, 8-bit or 16-bit songs. 
definitely worth a spin. Really fun game. Just, you know, it's not really like a scary game. It's yeah. not like some of these other ones that are on our list where they're really like playing a zombie movie. It's just a fun, kooky ride. All right, man. Let me tell you, Ben, about a little game called Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. It's the it's an expansion for Red Dead Redemption, which is that's a cowboy amazing. game. It's an amazing game. Rockstar just fucking nailed it with not only an awesome Western game, but also like you get to commit crimes and that's fun. Mm, wow. Yeah. Fun stuff. You can tie people to the train tracks even. Oh my God. Can you wax your mustache and curl it up into nice I mean, little tight arcs? Sure. I, I mean, I don't think you can give, I don't think you can give your guy a mustache. You can only play as the main character, but you can put him in a pretty dapper suit. If they came out with an expansion that was curly, mustache. curly mustaches, I yeah. think you can. And then, and I mean, you get to design your character in the new Red 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 Dead, I think. Yeah, but I haven't played it because I don't have an Xbox One. Everybody told me it was fucking amazing. Yeah, it, it looks great. But the uh, Red Dead Redemption for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Undead Nightmare is fucking awesome. So, are you still a cowboy and you're fighting zombies? Yeah, you're basically fighting zombies off of uh, off of your land. It's okay, cool. It's badass. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as expansions go for a game DLC, there have been some some great DLCs, but that might be one of the top in in my gaming history. Undead Nightmare, damn, so fun. And whose idea was it to be like, this game is really good, you know, it would make it better zombies. if there were zombies in it. It's like, uh, it's, it's a Western. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool as zombies I think Call, I think the Call of Duty series kind of started that addition oh, yeah. of zombies to, and that, that, that's great too. The I've Call heard. of Duty zombies, the Nazi zombies especially, where you're just killing Nazis. Well, those things are just so damn killable. <laughs> they sure are. They're yeah. dead inside uh-huh. and outside. Yeah. There was a real weird story to one of the games i think it was modern warfare 3 maybe or not positive anyway but it had it involved uh, jfk and richard nixon oh <laughs> strange very strange okay anyway so, so with this zombie expansion is it is it mainly just kind of like a defend your turf kind of thing or is it like the well there's the story to redemption it where it's an open map and you it's have still open yeah. yeah i mean there there's i mean objectives and stuff but yeah, it's got its own stories and stuff. And cool. the re- I mean, Rockstar writes such great uh, main quest and side quests. Like ev- everything they do that involves characters, they make sure their characters play as different than the other NPCs. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's real fun. I remember watching my wife and my wife. her dad playing through Red Dead Redemption whenever uh-huh. it came out. And it looked like it was really awesome. And like I said, that new one looks like it's just fucking Gosh, it insane. it looks so great. I want to yeah. play it, yeah. Man, by the time that I, like, whatever, fucking retire and have enough time to play all these video games, the list of games I need to play is going to be so oh, yeah. long, Gigantic. I will never get it done. It's I, There are still games I have on my list of, like, Super Nintendo games I haven't played. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I've never beat Chrono Trigger. I haven't beat Chrono Trigger. Yeah, no. and that's like a hundred-hour job. Yeah, right there. You know, so great though. There's not enough time for all these video games. <laughs> you know, it's getting so far from one and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna add one to the list here, and actually, I'm just gonna, I can't help but just name one of them. It'd be the entire list. I, obviously, right. we're gonna talk about the Resident Evil well, games. Of course, yeah, the ones that jump-started the survival horror boom, and yeah. like you said, probably did. 
kickstart the undead heart. Oh yeah. Of every zombie movie fan that hadn't gotten a taste of something good in a oh, long time. Oh, it definitely time. did. I'll talk about that in, in detail in a little bit, but yeah, the Resident Evil it made the the fun of the zombie movies up to that point it made it a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. Right. Everybody had been thinking when you watch like all these Romero zombie movies and stuff like this is what I would do. Well, now you get to do it. Now you get to do it. Yeah. Right. It was so cool, man. And that entire aspect of it not being about run around and shoot every zombie and that's how you win the level. Right. The the supplies were so scarce uh-huh. that you really had to choose your battles and learn when to just run away. Yes. In the first one, you're just stuck in the house with that police team and you have extremely limited ammunition. Uh-huh. You don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And you really do have to manage your battles. I mean, it coined the entire phrase survival horror because it's really more about survival more than it is beating the bad guys. Right. Because you, you can't beat all the zombies. It's impossible. Yeah, there's not enough ammo, yeah. period. And dude, that game had some stuff that just scared the absolute dog shit out of me. I'll never forget. I was playing it with some friends for the first time and we were all just like, oh my God, this game is crazy. I've never played anything like this. Uh-huh. Then you're wandering down that one hallway at the front of the house and that fucking zombie Doberman jumps through the glass. Uh huh. I don't know if anything has like ever scared me that hard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because there's nothing like that being like a little kid and playing this brand new type of video game with these crazy 3D pre-rendered backgrounds yeah. that are almost like paintings or like still shots. I mean, from now the movie when you look at them, you're like, "Why did we think that was so amazing?" But I know, right? <laughs> it was amazing at the time. That's the crazy thing when you go back and you look at that first one. It's like the pre-rendered backdrops don't really look great. No, the, the polygon characters look fucking horrible, real bad. Yeah. They're just blocky mush. Uh-huh. They look awful. But it really makes you realize. How amazing, I think, especially at younger ages, like our imaginations were at filling in the gaps. Yes. Of, yes, this looks nothing and like And we had not seen reality. anything better, so we didn't There's have something too. to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah, because at the time, I remember that game just being like, oh my God, the graphics are nuts. Uh-huh. It's like walking around a movie, you know? So cool, man. And also just had some unbelievably bad voice acting in it. Oh my <laughs> God. Some of the worst. Don't shoot. I'm a human. <laughs> But it didn't even matter. Like, the fact that it was all that bad, it didn't even fucking matter. It was so, so cool. Yeah. And just bleak. Like, there was, like, barely any soundtrack in it. It was a lot of just quiet, like... Yeah, that is unnerving. Yeah, your footsteps echoing around. And again, it's like, when you think about everything else that was around at that time, that game was metal as fuck by comparison. Yeah. So cool. And then I went on from that and played Resident Evil 2, which is even better. Yeah, I hear this. Now, I I haven't spent much time with... I played the first Resident Evil, and I've played Resident Evil 5. Okay, so you skipped the ones in the middle, huh? Yeah, I never had a PlayStation. I was... uh, I had had Nintendo stuff up to a point, and then I had Xbox. Oh. So... Never had a PlayStation. That sucks. Never had a PlayStation. Damn, so you never, like, had a Twisted Metal or any of the great stuff. I mean, I played them at other people's houses. Twisted Metal was fun. Twisted Metal 2 was the fucking king. Right? Oh, my God. It was so good, man. Yeah, Resident Evil 2, they they upped the action factor a bit, but without making it a full action game, which is what happens later Uh, in the series. I think it was 5, especially, right? terrible. I hated it. I hated that game. Yeah. (laughs) I stopped playing it pretty Pretty quick. It was almost more like, uh, did you ever play House of the Dead? House of the Dead, yes, I did. It was like a shooter. Yeah, and that was like it was like arcade style shooter. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I wonder what like the last popular arcade style shooter 
Area was. 51. Oh my god, dude. I think Area probably. 51. Yeah. That would have been like circa 1998 or yeah, something like that. Somewhere around there. Holy shit. Or, you know, like a uh, big what do they call it? Like big game hunter? Big oh yeah, deer big hunter. buck hunter would. Yeah, because that, that, <laughs> that. I remember playing that in the 2000s. So yeah, and that, I mean, as far as shooters go, that one's different. Big buck hunter. You're not trying to shoot everything. <laughs> they You're trying should to do shoot zo- one like specific zombie thing. expansion on it. <laughs> <laughs> big zombie hunter. Yeah, yeah there's, okay. zo- there's zombie deers, uh-huh. and zombie elk, and it sounds great. Yeah, it'd probably honestly be about the same. <laughs> yes, it would. Yeah, so probably not really worth it. <laughs> but Resident Evil 2, it had this way of upping the action factor while still making it this like desperate bid for survival and shit. Yeah. It was also just so dark. A lot of it was in this uh, like abandoned police station, mm-hmm. and then you find out there's like this crazy conspiracy and all this wild shit going on. And I think there was a guy that was doing experiments on people underneath the police station. All kinds of crazy Damn. shit. Man, it was so cool. And you could play as two different characters. In I got to. I I got to play these games and you stream really myself do. playing them because yeah. like I I'd watch. I it. know first off that. You'll hear me screaming like a little I, child for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I, these types of games, I never really got into them because of that exact thing where when I put myself into the character, I'm, I immediately am frightened by everything. <laughs> I'm just, I, I do that in fallout too. Like I'm always crouching and sneaking everywhere. Even if I know I've been in every building in the game a million times, I know everything that's in there. I'm still like, Oh fuck. I know that there's a there's a ghoul up here and yep. it's gonna jump out. Fuck that. I don't want it to happen. Dude, I used to be the exact same way and I probably still would be now. Yeah. Like I was I was to the point where whenever I was playing Doom or like Final Doom, uh-huh. there'd be times that I would get so like freaked out yeah. that I would hit select and play on the map. You remember how you could do the oh, wireframe right. map? Yeah. Yeah, I would just play the map. Because it would still okay. show you where the enemies are in uh-huh. front of you and stuff, but you just didn't have to, like... See the demon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'd be like, oh, I'm getting too freaked out. I'll play the map. <laughs> Which is so lame. So fucking lame. But yeah, I think I would probably be the same way, just getting super spooked. Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, I think I rented once. I don't remember really liking huh. it very much. Okay. And then four, I don't think I ever played. Five, like you said, was real action. Real, yeah. That's one in like Haiti or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. There's like a cult or something in there, I think. Yeah, I didn't get that far into it. But yeah, there's there's a whole lot of uh, a lot of Haitian stuff going on. Yeah, and which then, is cool that they, that yeah, they brought it Yeah, that's a cool to. idea. I mean, because that that's the source of zombie, for sure. But yeah, I, I just couldn't get into the game. I didn't dig the controls either. Mm. But that was always an issue for me with the first Resident Evil is... The controls were never right to me. Yeah, because you'd be moving one direction, then yeah. the camera angle would change, yeah. and now up is down. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, that was a that. little bit, uh-huh. little bit confusing. A definite downside of those pre-rendered kind of yeah. backgrounds and stuff. And I heard that new one that came out this year, that Resident Evil Two remake. Uh huh. I've heard that that is insane. I've watched some footage of it. And it may, it yeah. is unbelievably gory. Holy shit! Gotta check that out. Yeah, I definitely need All to. All right. So Ben. Let me tell you about Telltale's game. Tell me a little story about a Telltale's game. <laughs> the Walking Dead, which is based off of, of course, Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead and doesn't involve any of the characters that you would know from the comic or the show. Well, actually, it does. Technically, Glenn is in the first bit of it. But um, yeah? 
it's one of these games where you make choices, basically. That's essentially all you do. Uh, there are some quick time events, but mostly you just make choices in dialogue and choices as to what you're going to do. So it's like Hard Rain. Remember uh, that game? I played that one. It was that kind of thing where it's okay. mostly just a lot of dialogue choices okay. and there are multiple outcomes and shit. Okay. So yeah. It's like a movie game. Yeah. It's gorgeous. The Walking Dead is gorgeous. The characters are amazing fully fleshed out you play mostly as well i guess you play as as one guy but then eventually you become clementine who is this cute little girl who is saved by the first protagonist um and you get to see this world like falling apart basically through this little kid's eyes Mm. and it's so i don't know it, it it's so engrossing like you get real connected to a lot of the characters and you want the best for them. And then when you're making your choices, you're thinking like, and you only have a limited time to make your choice. You're thinking like, if I do this, how is this going to affect this relationship with this other character? And how's this going to make this other thing that's going on? How's it going to affect that? Like so many choices and, and they all matter. That sounds awesome. It's real fun. I, I think it's the first season is four or five episodes. Okay. But they're only, I think they're only like a buck 99 or whatever on the Xbox store. I enjoyed them so much. And then there was, uh, there's like 400 days, which is just a little bit more expansion on the story. And then season two, I've played season one, 400 days in season two. I have not played the last season, but I enjoy it so much. I, re- I highly recommend it for anybody who's, into character development and into good story and games. I feel like a real dummy because I didn't even know there was a game. Like that's how out of oh. the fucking loop I. I'll tell you how well, out of the loop they, I am. They've had some bad Walking Dead games. This one's okay. the only good one. Yeah, I'm so out of the loop that I've never played a video game with a movie star in it. What? Yeah. How? I haven't. I can't think of any game that I've played. Like you're talking earlier about. Jesus, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever played any video game that has a movie star as like a voice in it. Wow. I mean, they're now so to like yeah. Keanu Reeves and games and uh-huh. shit now. Yeah, Norman Reedus Norman is in Reedus, that game. Yeah. I don't think I ever huh. have. Like, I think in the era that I was playing games the most, it was still just random shit-ass voice actors that could not act at all. Wow. You know? Yeah, I'm trying to think of when that started, because Patrick Stewart is the voice of the king at the beginning of Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And and that's that was like I feel like that was the earliest game I played with a big name. And Sean Bean I think is also in that. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't think of any earlier than that. And that one's that's around two thousand six maybe. Yeah, boy, how wow. Many, so man. you haven't played game? We haven't played many games in a long time. No, I really haven't. I mean, it's like seriously since I became like a full time musician, something had to go. Well, I that's a good choice. I don't think I, so. I think I could have made more money playing video games. Well, yeah. You could have. <laughs> you definitely could have. And and you'd have like real deep opinions on Twitch and YouTube and all sorts of things. Yeah. But, and girls that play games. Ew. Ew. I can't believe that Anita Sarkeesian. Yeah. Women have been accurately represented in games. Get out of here, you woman. <laughs> <laughs> Armor's supposed to be bikinis for girls. <laughs> you saw the important stuff saved. Mm-hmm. All the parts I like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would hope that wouldn't be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've missed out on a lot of great stuff, clearly. Yeah. 
You got any other honorable mentions you want to put on this thing? Um, I liked Dead Island. That's a game I played. I did play Dead Island. Yeah. That, yeah. that was free on Xbox at one point. Xbox Gold Games. I downloaded it and started playing it. I was like, oh, it was really fun. It's I almost, played a good bit of that. If I recall, it's almost like an an arcade style, like kill everything kind um, of game, isn't it? Or is it, am I thinking of a different... I'm thinking of Dead Rising. Oh, Dead Rising is like that. Dead yeah. Rising I was have fun. also played... Yeah. yeah, I've played a demo of that, too. Dead Island is the one that had... There's a trailer for it that was like a little mini movie. It felt like a movie trailer yeah. or something like that. There's like a little girl zombie or something. And There's all sorts of... It, I know the one you're talking about. It's in, it's set in a resort on an island. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to play it. It looked yeah. great. There are some non-zombie folk, but almost everybody in there is killable. So it reminded me very much of like if Fulci made a zombie game, like <laughs> yeah. it kind of had that zombie set it in the Caribbean island. Yeah, yeah. like zombie too. Yeah. Yep. God, it's I want to cover that accurate. movie sometime. That movie's so oh, fucking fun. Sure. It's so good, dude. Yeah, one of these days I want to get around to playing all these games and more. I know that we left like eight million of them off. Yeah, of let us know what we're missing and what we need to play for sure. Yeah, chime in on the uh, on the Facebook group or the Discord chat. Or just wherever you want to tell us what we ought to be doing with our lives. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, now, Steve, the subject of today's podcast is 28 Days Later, which was made around a 2002. Yeah, came out on the 1st of November, 2002. Remember, remember. The 1st of November. That's when the movie the came out. 28 Daters and Laters. <laughs> I assume this is not the first time you watched this movie. No, no. I, uh, I saw this probably in 2000. Three, yeah, like early two thousand three. This movie is ex- just so extremely important that I don't know if we can fully do justice to how important it is unless we talk about the history of zombie movies a little bit leading up to this, right? And specifically that zombie movies had basically died in the late eighties. Yeah, I think there was that kind of thing where. It got, they got popular with all the Romero films, uh-huh. and then they spawned all these imitators, and right. then everybody kind of got burnt out on them. Yep. You know? It's just like every other trend you see in music or video games or uh-huh. anything where something's awesome, everybody else copies it, everybody gets tired of it. Yeah. So, yeah, Americans were basically tired of it. Uh, basically, the entire Western world was done with zombies, mm-hmm. but Chinese filmmakers and Japanese filmmakers had just gotten into them. Right, yeah, yeah. So they started in the late 80s and through the 90s up to the early 2000s, there was this sort of zombie boom in Asian cinema. That's what led to zombie video games. Because all of these games, Resident Evil, made by Capcom, was being made in Japan. Um, Also, what was the other one we mentioned? The shoot-em-up style? Oh, uh, House of the Dead. House of the Dead. Yeah. Also, a a Sega game that was being developed over in Japan. So you're saying the fact that there weren't zombie movies coming from the West anymore, they're Uh, like, well, we just got to make our own. Yeah, we got to make our own. And and that led to the video games. Yeah, that inspired... Coming back our way in the West. Yeah, because then Alex Garland, who wrote this, this movie, he wrote the novel The Beach in 1996... And it sold extremely well. And like he just started playing Resident Evil after no he had written that. And he had this idea for a zombie movie because he thought, I haven't seen a good zombie movie in a long time. So him playing Resident Evil is what inspired this mm-hmm. script. So basically, the the East brought zombies back. That is really yeah. fucking cool. I did not know about yeah. that. So we have Alex Garland basically just has this idea 
that he wants to take these elements, the survival survival elements that you see in Romero zombie movies and in Resident Evil, and make the survival part of it the focus, mm. not the not the zombies. Right. Yeah. How would you survive this? Not yeah. necessarily about how can you blow them up and kill them all. Mm. Exactly. So he, Danny Boyle made the beach into a movie alex garland's novel the beach with leonardo dicaprio in 2000 which is a very strange movie yeah i haven't seen it it's not very good okay i will tell you this big alex garland fan i'll talk about him in a little while if you watched the movie and you didn't like it read the book uh book's fucking awesome oh the beach yeah okay it is awesome um so basically Danny Boyle had made this adaptation and the producer of that movie was talking with Alex Garland about some future ideas he might have. And he was like, I got this idea for a zombie movie. And Danny Boyle liked the idea. The producer liked the idea. They worked it out, sat down. uh, He wrote the script and then Danny Boyle made this movie that was way different than anything he made up to that point. I mean, he made train spotting and, you know all, all these other indie hits but this is a this is like a horror action horror movie way different type of thing yeah yeah so danny boyle brings his own personal like great uh vision as a director to zombie movies that were always made by you know romero and fulci we had these great directors making zombie movies and then in the 80s it just became whoever and that's kind of why zombie movies went downhill because it was just somebody who didn't have a good vision trying to repeat the success of someone else's vision. Uh, and because you bring in someone like Alex Garland who has a great vision of what he wants the story to be and Danny Boyle who can make that come across visually, it jump-started zombie movies again. Um, and so, I mean, Britain was basically the epicenter of bringing zombie movies back because it was 2002's 28 Days Later and the 2004 Shaun of the Dead that set up everything that zombie movies and zombie shows were doing because The Walking Dead The Walking Dead basically starts the exact same way 28 Days Later starts. I hadn't really considered that until you said that, but yeah. Yeah. So like I mean the comic books 28 Days Later we have the we have the animal rights activist set up. The comic books you have the setup of uh, Shane and, and Rick trying to stop a, a guy who's running from the police and then Shane or Rick gets shot and then cuts to later he's in the hospital it's empty the machines aren't working exact same thing as 28 days later yeah, yeah. so Robert Kirkman was, was pulling from that um, and then the show also pulled from that very much like if you watch the way that are you look at the way it's drawn in the comic and then watch the way it's done in the show it's almost the exact framing that Danny Boyle did in 28 Days Later with Killian Murphy in the hospital. Wow. So yeah. this this movie really made the the boom of zombies in the early to mid-2000s happen. And then Shaun of the Dead brought the comedy to it, so then we got things like Zombieland and just all inspired by these two great British zombie movies. Damn, that's awesome. Very yeah. influential, very important flick. Yes. I remember whenever it came out that there was a lot of hype and a lot of buzz about this movie uh-huh. and how it was just so like bleak and grim and brutal and all this. And this was, you know, I guess probably around 2003 or so, maybe 2004 whenever I saw this. I think 2003 now that I think about it. 
And this was kind of before I started getting into horror movies. I'd watched a couple, yeah. but not really like got into them. And I remember the first time that I watched it, it was really late at night. I was still living at home. And it was on, I don't know, Showtime or something like uh-huh. that. Whatever we had like a free preview of right. for that weekend. you know. Uh-huh. I think I started this movie at like 2 in the morning. And I was up. I was all alone. And I, I started this flick, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this zombie movie. Whatever. It'll be cool. No big deal. Yeah, I'm a tough guy. Uh-huh. I've got pubes and everything. Oh, wow. Scared the absolute dog shit out of me. Awesome. I was utterly, like, terrified. Whenever it got to that scene, which is only maybe 10 minutes into the movie, where he walks into that church. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, the the, the priest. zombie priest and uh-huh. stuff. I was like, I just about shut it down right there. Yeah. Like, I remember really thinking like yeah i should i should just hit stop i should just go to bed i can't do this alone by myself at night and it was funny because i was watching it you know the other night to review it for the show and i was like oh man i totally wimped out like 10 minutes into this (laughs) tough guy that's funny yeah but I, i sat and i watched the entire thing and I remember, I remember enjoying it. I remember loving the soundtrack and all kinds of oh, other elements great. that we'll discuss too. And uh, it had been maybe I think a year or two since I watched it. This is one of those I'd, I'd say this is probably maybe my fifth or sixth time. Oh, okay, watching yeah. this. Yeah, movie. I've seen this one a good bit. This was one I, I used in my my class on the undead specifically, like some of the scenes in this. And some people out there are going, but wait, Steve, these aren't undead zombies. Okay, let, let's let's talk about this because this mm-hmm. is one of those ones. Yeah that horror nerds will just get their panties all in a wad about. Yeah, horror nerds are so fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am one. So, zombies did not begin as undead. That's one of those things, yeah. man, that I, I was thinking about whenever I was thinking about how people get mad at this movie because yeah. they're not real zombies. They're infected and they're right. not actually deceased people and i got to thinking about it and i was like well have you seen white zombie with bella lugosi 1932 those are those are zombies but they are the definitive zombies they started the concept of zombies in horror films and they're not undead yeah and and that's being controlled yeah by a voodoo priest and it stems from yeah haitian voodoo and all kinds of stuff like this that it wasn't that a dead person be brought back to life and crave brains. Yeah. It was almost like they'd be put into almost like a controllable, uh, malleable trance of sorts right. by means of a potion and a powder and a curse. And, yada, and that yada. is the important element of understanding undeath. It's, it doesn't require dying and coming back to life. It requires no longer having control of your brain. Yeah. The person that was there, you see them physically, but they are gone. Wow. So these people in 28 days later, they're, they're infected with this virus that makes them, they're gone. They are no longer there. Yeah. All their humanity, their personality all their humanity is gone. gone. It's just the face that, you know, that's mm. it. Just so, uh, un, undeath doesn't have to be the, the die, come back to life type of undeath. So I think very much it's fine to call this movie a zombie movie. Uh, What's the difference between an infected movie and a zombie movie? I don't know. Like, are there other infections, infection movies where the infection makes the person no longer themselves? Hmm. Like, Outbreak is Mom and Dad. 
Mom and Dad. There you go. Yeah, that's an outbreak yeah. movie that isn't a zombie movie. Yeah, and also because they retain they, their character they, traits. They know, like that's specific in Mom and Dad. The definition being that the when they're talking to Bokeem Woodbine about him killing his his kid, and he's like he he says he sees all these other parents killing their kids, and it's just wrong. But for me, it wasn't right. So it's like there's there's a disconnect. But the person's still there, so they're not undead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that they, loss they of control. They can come back. It's that complete loss of control. Yeah. Wow. So, I, I get I get the quibble. It's fine. I I don't know that it's genre breaking. I don't know that you have to create a whole different genre to encompass infection movies. Yeah. Well, then this just ends up just like that fucking annoying shit that we have in in heavy metal, where it's like, no, it's not black metal. It's blackened crust. <laughs> just all these like dumb sub genres, yeah. which just ends yeah. up becoming what you can and can't do if you want to be this specific thing. Yeah. Which limitations are just dumb, man. They are all very that, dumb. All that shit. All these like hard genre definitions are dumb yeah. to me. So who cares? To me, this is a fucking zombie movie. Yeah, let them blend into each other. Honestly, I mean, because like I could still I could see a case for somebody saying that uh, Event Horizon that uh, Sam Neil becomes a zombie in that because he's completely controlled by the ship. If somebody were to say that, I'd be like. Okay, there's a case for that. Okay, you could yeah. almost say Event Horizon has zombie elements. There's a fine line because there's some possession movies and stuff right. too, where somebody well, yeah, loses themselves. You could refer to the undead in Evil Dead as zombies, but it's a demonic possession as well. Is RoboCop undead? Exactly. That's a good question. He does have some connection back to his old life because he keeps sort of remembering it, but. I don't know. Is he a zombie? Maybe he's a zombie. Is R-O-T-O-R undead? Is, is the Robo Terminator? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You see that guy's mustache. I'll tell you what. I never seen a, lot a robot of life with to a mustache. It. Let's There's a, a lot of life to it. Robot with a mustache. <laughs> that, that is, that's a movie in itself. Robot it with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I am a robot, but for some reason I was also programmed to have knowledge of my mustache. I was growing a robo beard, but decided to prune <laughs> it down. What do you think they shave with? Oh, man. I imagine they just pull off. They just pull off the beard, like they rip it off and put new flesh on. Ooh, that could be. Yeah. I think they just lean into like a grinder. No more beard. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so these zombies in this flick, let's talk about them too, because they are not the typical shuffling. No, no they run. Zo- yeah, and and there doesn't seem to be any specific like brain lust or even necessarily like they have to kill to feed or no, they create just more want zombies. To, they just want to kill. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're a rage as yeah. the scientist at the first of the says. Uh we talked about this in our Night of the Living Dead episode, which by the way, just posted on YouTube. If you want to go listen to it on YouTube, unlike listening to it on another app for some reason. But in that episode we talk about how the first zombie that we see runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this isn't a new thing. The running zombie isn't a new yeah. thing at all. In, in Romero's movies, they lose some of their speed because they've been zombies for a while and they're decaying. Right, which makes sense. Yeah, but when they're first zombified, they still seem to have strength and be able to run. So it was never a thing that zombies had to shuffle. It just became a thing in the 80s as people were making their own zombie movies. Is that That's how they did it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how most of them moved 
in Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. There are some unique characteristics to these two, though. The way that they spread the infection uh-huh. isn't with the typical, like, oh, I bite you and kill you, and then you become one of one of us. It's like no. they can vomit blood onto yeah. people, they, which is so sick. And the infection happens in 10 to 20 seconds, we're told. Yeah, extremely rapid. Yeah. Extremely And we see it a few times throughout the course of the movie. And the thing about them is, too, is that they aren't like some other zombies where you have to you know, kill the head, as they say, right. and dead don't die. You just have just kill them yeah. like normal human beings. They don't seem to be super strong. Right. They, they, do, they do seem to be like adrenaline filled. So even yeah. like you see one that's like cut in half by bullets, it's still like flailing Scrambling. like this. Because it would take a while to still be... To, to bleed to death. Right. And the so ones they're that, still like, moving. They got set on fire at that gas yeah. station. They're, they're still, still running, just running. Scrambling. Yeah. Oh, that was so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So, so cool. Yeah, but it's... it's They also don't seem to have unlimited stamina. Like, whenever no. they're chasing after the car in the tunnel... Uh-huh, and the car gets away, and then they slow down, and they they're They peter like, out. Yeah. They slow down, and they're breathing hard and stuff. I thought that was a great... Because, like, they're not dead. Because they're not dead, they have the capabilities of a human on like high adrenaline yeah or like fucking pcp or something yes which is pretty much equivalent to the people they're chasing who see people chasing them they're gonna be they're gonna get the adrenaline spike and they're gonna be running like crazy too yeah so they're they're equally matched unlike other zombies we see in in movies where they they need to be in large groups to be a threat here if they're in large groups it's like ultra threat yeah you're fucked yes um in the the sequel to this 28 weeks later there is a scene where there's a big horde and they get taken out with a helicopter blade like oh i always love seeing people get cut up by helicopters you know that i do dude 28 weeks later is not as good a movie as this but 28 weeks later is a fucking awesome horror movie i really? really enjoy it yeah is it like more actiony way more actiony huh. it's got jeremy renner and idris elba and rose Byrne, like way tons of big names sick anyway yeah 28 weeks later is a lot more video gamey and it's way fun because of that it's not as well written and the characters aren't as um, defined mm-hmm. but it's cool Right on. I got to check that one out. And I think they just announced that there's rumors yeah. of a 28 months later. Yeah, Danny, like Danny Boyle said in 2007 he wanted to do 28 months later. And just recently, because he has... Um, it's a Beatles jukebox musical called Yesterday. It's coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, by the time him? this episode comes out, th- th- it will be out. And they were interviewing him. And that was one of the things he mentioned that he really wanted to do. 28 months later still so cool hopefully they will do that i would love that yeah definitely let's see more of this world man now the cast in this is relatively small not necessarily a lot of like named characters so you kind of spend the whole movie really getting to know and bond with just a handful of people and a lot of these at the time were relatively unknown. This yeah. is uh, Cillian, Cillian Killian, 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 Killian Murphy. Uh-huh. Thank you. I, I fucked it up for years, and now I can't remember which it yeah. is. I think this is Killian Murphy's like breakout. Yeah, it's role. his big breakout role. It is, and he he was nominated for like an award for breakout performance. Wow, this is before, before this. Scarecrow as in Batman yeah, this is Begins. Before, even shit. before Girl with the Pearl Earring, like he was in. He had been in stuff since the '90s, but it had all been like real low independent sort of stuff. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this was an $8 million budget, 
So it was still like a low budget sort of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not really that much no. money. I mean, Especially considering how many shots of London just like completely shut off, like no people. They shot those scenes for real. They didn't like take out any. Yeah. There's no CGIing out like cars and stuff. They just found 45 minutes on Sunday right after dawn and would block off streets real quick, get about 20 minutes of shots, and then move. That's that's insane. Yeah. And, and to me, too, it's like that lets you know where a lot of that budget went because they were basically setting up these entire crews, cameras, lights, extras, shots, yeah. blah, 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 and then getting to film for 20 or 20 40 minutes, minutes yeah. and then that's a wrap. Yep. That fucking sucks. It had yeah. to take them forever to do <laughs> yeah. all because. The London stuff is only really maybe 30 minutes of the movie or something yeah, like that. Yeah, those, those location shots are... Yeah, they're, they're all at the beginning, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we see them driving up north and east, I believe they say. Which would be a lot easier to, to yeah, deal with Yeah, probably easier to close off stuff, stuff than, right. than the city of London, which, like, it's just cra- so eerie to see nothing happen. It's, yeah. I mean, you get the same later when we see in the walking dead when rick gets to atlanta and anybody who's been to atlanta like you see it and there's no one there and it's just fucking eerie right same with london you see like the the eye isn't even moving that huge like what is it ferris wheel thing it's a ferris wheel but it's i think it takes like hours to go through it because it's more wow for the people who get at the top to look out at london for quite a while yeah that's not moving Everything is just basically there's trash everywhere. There's money, money on the just laying Doesn't in the streets. Matter. And that whole premise, though, that that he just wakes up from a coma. Like last yeah. thing that happened to him, he was a bike courier. Yeah, he got hit on the head, and and we don't know when that happened before, but it happened sometime before the infection. Yeah, it could have been 28 days before that. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, he had because like they had obviously shaved the side of his head for brain surgery, and that had grown back quite a bit. Yeah. So he had been there for probably at least a month in that coma. That's. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to think he wakes up to a completely different world. Yeah, that to me is such a just stark and bleak yeah. and depressing fucking premise and yeah. i was kind of thinking like while i was watching i was like if that same thing happened to me and i was in this major metropolis area and i got out of the hospital and th- nothing was running all the electricity yeah. was out everything was gone nobody's there yeah in a hospital like what like, do what do you what would be your first thought of like what th- just happened would you be like i would assume Fuck. i was still in a coma i would assume that it wasn't oh, real. it was like a dream or something yeah it would have wow, to be because yeah. i do have those dreams where it's just empty and and that's it's real strange but god that would be i don't know it would be so insane to wake up to in a hospital room and none of your machines are on and the lights aren't even on and That's you're just crazy. left there. And you're just there. What if you woke up and you were like, oh my God, Kurt Cameron was right. <laughs> I got left behind. Left behind. Maybe, oh, I mean, because like he, he seems to take it in stride. Almost like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm sure I'll run across somebody that can tell me. Because when he finally does come across people, he he's there's no assumption by him that these people are infected or anything he just starts talking to them mm-hmm. yeah it, it's like just a, a drastic turn of events 
real quick for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how you would even process it. And, you know, the thing about this movie is, too, is whenever I think about those first parts of this where he wakes up alone in London, for some reason in my head, that's like the entire movie. Yeah, but it's only like the first eight minutes, maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. he, uh, I wrote it down. Well, I mean, other like, than the first, there's the first three minutes that are the the cold open where yeah. we learn about the virus and, and how it gets out. But then, yeah, about eight minutes of that, and then, boom, action. And it's only 16 minutes in the movie that he meets other humans that uh-huh. are non-infected. Yeah. But for some reason, those opening scenes just stick in my head so much, and I'm like, oh, that's the entire movie. It's kind of yeah. like when I think about like Final Fantasy VII for PlayStation. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, yeah, the whole thing's in Midgar and the slums. Right. And you're under the plate, and it's like, no, nope, nah, it's just, just a, a short few hours. Yeah. yeah, that's like a fraction of the whole game. But for some reason, it sticks out so much in my head that, to me, that is the entire game. And to me, this entire movie is guy wakes up, everybody's dead, everybody's zombies, he's alone. For most of the time. But yeah, no, but he's, no, he's not, not really. alone most of the time. Because he runs into Selena. Selena and Mark. And Selena and and Jim are our, our two main characters and our, our definitive protagonists because they're the two that go through actual full character arcs. And what we get basically is Jim, who's been raised by these people who love him like crazy and seem like great folks, seem like wonderful folks. And he has this wonderful outlook on life. And then Selena, who's had everything taken from her and doesn't want to get close to anyone. Yeah. Her whole thing is yeah. just survive. Yeah. And they both just go through these complete wonderful arcs where Jim still keeps his positive outlook, but becomes much more real understands the world a little better but also selena gives over to actually caring about people and they both become better people because of it great storytelling wonderful character arcs i love the way they did that yeah that's one of those things i hadn't really taken into account until i watched it this time uh i think before i was just kind of watching for all the 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 zombie hysteria and stuff like this and the gore and the kills which are all great yeah they're awesome but this time I did really notice, like, man, these characters really change, especially uh-huh. Jim's character arc really moves through yeah. the movie, which is awesome to see. We'll talk about more about those motivations and stuff, too. We've also got Mad-Eye Moody in this yeah, movie. Yeah, old Alistair Moody, a.k.a. he's in everything. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson, man. Yeah. Who is awesome, and he's he is so, so likable He's in so good in everything. I don't even know, like, I can't think. He's even in, in Lake Placid, probably one of the best actors <laughs> dude have you ever seen in bruges yeah in bruges dude. is amazing holy shit he's that's, so good in that that's the movie where like i really just fell in love with him as an actor yeah that movie is fucking yeah he's so rad good. and colin farrell is amazing colin in it too. farrell's so good in that yeah god that movie is great and, and floor de la Cour is in there that's right she mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. well it's because there's only ever like 10 working british <laughs> actors <laughs> And not everybody in, in England is technically an actor. Like, they could be yeah, called so. up at any moment. Like, sorry, you got to be in a BBC show. <laughs> okay. Bloody hell. Oy. <laughs> and he's awesome in this. He is a a dad who has been living on his own with his girl. Mm-hmm. Also, he's kept a positive outlook. Yeah. He's been, like, basically to keep his daughter safe, he's developed this very positive sort of outlook and when we first get introduced to him he's in all that riot gear and looking super intense because he's a big dude like tall and also large yeah super intimidating looking and then <laughs> so funny takes off the riot gear it's all been super intense and then he's like so 
I'm Frank anyway. <laughs> like it's great. Yeah, it's so dry. And this is so dry humor. I love it. It's all after he's yeah, defended them and told them where to go and like yeah. thrown these zombies down this stairwell uh-huh. and all kinds of shit. Yeah, he's great and does bring a little bit of levity to this. Yes. There's not really a lot of comedy per se. No, in this and it, movie. it gets super dark for it sure. It gets extremely, extremely fucking bleak, man. There's some stuff in this flick that like I, I I tend to always forget about the scene where he comes across his his parents suicide. Oh, yeah. But that's actually I think for him super sad, but for the audience and especially like what Selena says is like you're lucky that they got to go out this peacefully and whatnot. Like for the audience, it's like, oh, this is a this is good. It's good they committed suicide because they didn't turn into these rage zombies. Mm. that he might have to kill at the house they're they were just, they died peacefully thinking yeah. about their son and they're just laying in bed and they got that yeah. picture of him and it's got that note that oh, says oh man that's heartbreaking oh my god with endless love we left you sleeping now we're sleeping with you don't wake up oh, fuck don't wake up which also the thing is is like the way that their note says we left you sleeping uh-huh it's kind of indicative of how long he's been in a coma yeah he'd, he'd been in a coma they had been basically waiting for him to come out of that coma and then this all happened yeah so it kind of makes me think that he was knocked out for a while yeah it seems that way. we never really get confirmation as to how long no. he was out and dude even the way that that frank goes out just just sucks it oh man just fucking sucks it, and man. it's yeah and it's exactly what it's supposed to be the i mean this movie just like the Romero zombie movies and, and tons of other zombie movies that try to make a point, this movie has its anti-capitalist message and also the this message that the rage, the 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 fears and the anger of the lower classes are going to bubble up to a point that it destroys everything. Mm. And what we see with with Brendan Gleeson's character is basically that like this rage and this this terrible anger that comes from being mistreated and and used by upper classes it's indiscriminate it doesn't know any bounds and so we see this happen to this wonderful happy nice guy this very random infection yeah. by just a drop of blood and have to see him you know become one of these terrible things and it the message seems to be that like in some way at least i i I gathered especially from mark's discussion about how the people in the airport were all crawling all over each other and climbing over each other which is right yeah like the definition of capitalism um it, it seems that this movie is is just saying that like all that all this terrible anger and rage that comes from capitalism, it, it doesn't even end up hurting the people that it's meant to hurt. It just mm. hurts everyone. Wow, yeah. Indiscriminately. Indiscriminately, yeah. So it's it just one of the byproducts of, of capitalism that everyone gets hurt by it. Wow. And you can't avoid it. I think I just need to have a drink and just drown my yeah, sorrows. drown your sorrows. Let's now, have us a something We here. got this one a long time ago uh-huh. from Ryan. It is a pontoon brewing Helios. 
It's French Syrah Barrel Aged Farmhouse Ale. Now that sounds fancy. And it it's it came in a bottle that had a cork. It had. Dude, listen to what? this, dude. It had a traditional bottle cap. Uh huh. I popped it, and I was like. No carbonation. What? What happened? And then I pulled it off and I was like, there's a cork on here too. It kind of put me in the same mindset as those fancy Pepperidge Farm breads. They're bagged. <laughs> then they're in another bag. Do what? Double sealed. <laughs> yeah, this is a Pepperidge Farm. Pe- Pepperidge Farm pontoon brewing right here. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. I don't historically like a like a, farm a saison house. farmhouse kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I'm not it's a huge not fan my of thing. this. But it smells great. Let's, uh, let's get a whiff of this. It's a nice golden amber color it's not yeah. especially clear it's a it's a little hazy yeah little light carbonation hazy there we, little thing called love we've let this thing uh get down to room well it's a little it's like cellar temp right yeah, now it feels temp. like we've, sure. we've left it out for a couple of hours i guess now so it seems like it should be at an adequate drinking temp what's that do to you does that work for ooh, you ooh. Ooh, it's a magical sensation I like that. That's really good. It's got the wine flavor to it. There's definitely like a tinge of wine, but yeah. it's also like, it's real light, mm-hmm. almost cidery. Yeah, that is a good way to describe it because the, the effervescence of it does mm-hmm. kind of lend itself to that kind of cidery sort of taste. And I think it's just like 6% or something like yeah, that. So it's kind of light. It's got a little bit of that nice lemony tartness to it, uh-huh. but it's not super sour. Again, a lot no. of those, those Saisons that I've had just taste like... You made a bile. beer, then put a shit ton of lemon juice in it. <laughs> right, okay. Or bile, yeah. yeah. This has, like, lemon flavor, yeah, but not necessarily that that bitter acidic kind of element. It also has that sort of smokiness of a farmhouse ale, but... And that's normally the part I don't like much about a farmhouse, but in this case, I think it works. It's good. It's, like, yeah. really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Ryan. You make Ryan, some great man. old choices for us. He there. sure did. And hey, if somebody else wants to send us some beer, we're we're running low. Yeah, uh, let us know. I I actually got a message the other day from a, a listener wanting the address to send us some beers. But if you want the address, uh, you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail dot com or yes. message on Facebook or any of the other social medias. I'll get you the address. I'll put it out there, though, that we are both highly allergic to poison. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I do not. My body hates it, I think. Yeah, it'll, it'll kill me. Yeah. If I have poison, if I ingest it, yeah. I will die. So please do not put poison But if you're trying beers. to kill us, it's probably a good idea. I've revealed my weak, my weak spot. <laughs> Your one single weakness yeah, poison. is poison. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about the the capitalist kind of leanings and right. stuff in here. And I think it's kind of inherent for any zombie movie to yeah. have this kind I of mean, thing. I mean, that's, yeah, the, the general idea of zombies is that people are walking mindlessly through this civilization. Consumers. Just consuming, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not caring about what it costs or what kind of damage it leaves exactly. behind consuming. I think that there's some messages in this movie that may have been, let's say, somewhat prophetic about the social media age. Okay. Because this came out in 2002. Right. We'd already had our, our angel fire. This might even be Friendster days. Yeah. This is, de- this is definitely AOL chat room days. Like, people were still yeah, we, chatting that, on Instant Messenger like and chat rooms and stuff. Right. And that he might have just been seeing the writing on the wall as the internet as this new form of communication to let people quickly communicate and share ideas with each other and yeah. stuff like that. I think that there's a lot of messages in this movie about mob mentality. Okay. And I think there's a lot of messages about how the things that spread and infect us the the quickest on a social level uh-huh. 
are things that provoke anger and hatred and negativity. Wow. This is yeah. a little bit relevant for these days. A little bit. Yeah, it might be extremely relevant. Yeah. That, yeah, that the quick spread of information also, I mean, we talked about this last week with dog soldiers, but yeah. the quick spread of information also brings the quick spread of disinformation and people can abuse the fact that people want to be angry from time to time yeah and can make people angry about things that aren't even real issues right and easily turn a mob into a dangerous voting block or a dangerous group of people who i don't know show up at pride parades and try to disrupt them or anything like that mm -hmm. anything that just spawns hatred tends to catch fast it spreads like wildfire but you know i think that there's there's emphasis on this movie about uh, again, mob mentality and groups and packs and stuff, because obviously you have the infected who are just infected with rage. It's never even yeah, it's specified never, as like a virus. Yeah. Or it's some just, kind he of... He calls it rage. And, and yeah. It, yeah. It, there's no... We don't understand fully what this was, why it was created, how it was created, but it, it seems to just fill people with absolute hatred and rage but you're even given some hints about it too because whenever at the first whenever we have that animal research lab uh -huh. there's like a, a gorilla or something that's chained up and is being forced to watch all these screens yeah chimp chimp there that we go chimp, yeah. i get them all confused i don't know why being forced to watch all these screens like clockwork orange style yeah yeah of all these violent and horrific acts and wars and riots and stuff like that so it's almost like saying that the things that we're seeing yeah, infect us. Infect us. Yeah, and exactly. infect others. Right. That we, we take that infection and we spread it to other people because we want other people to feel what we feel. Right. And let's even look at it this way, too. So even at the first of the movie, before there are infected mobs roaming the streets and stuff, uh -huh. you have this group of animal rights activists who are enraged about something. Right and mindlessly go about trying to change it even though they don't even know what the fuck they're doing yeah and they're letting loose these animals that are infected with this yeah contagious highly contagious thing that's going to take over the world but all that they're doing is that they're filled with rage yeah and they're just achieving their goals right because the messaging seems to indicate at the beginning that the the animal rights activists are in the wrong even though the scientist is the one responsible for this, he's our, like, voice of reason. And, like, he understands the thing he's created, this terrible thing. Because that's the thing. It seems like he's created this. Yeah, he's done it. He's the bad guy, but the, it's, the movie seems to indicate to us, like, no, he's fine. It's these assholes who are liberating these animals who are the real problem. That made me think, yeah, that, that some of this was more anti-reactionary than... Uh, anti-capitalist mm. so there's definitely a lot more of that to it it seems to me what you're saying of, yeah. of just this anti-reactionary that if we'd all just let these things that we don't understand happen that somehow it'll end up better I don't know well I think that ultimately what it's all kind of about and trying to say is whenever you find yourself in one of those very heated mobs of people that are getting all yeah. riled up and, and full of piss and vinegar at something uh, stop and think about it for a right. second. So you've got these people that, you know, again, are all hot and bothered and worked up and they go out and do this thing that ends up fucking everything up. Yeah. 
you've got obviously the hordes of the infected that are just full of rage. Right. They're just killing everything. They're going to starve to death. They're ruining the whole world. They don't even care. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got the, the the army faction in here, the military faction. That's right. another mob mentality group. Yeah, it is. And because they are so consumed with their self-interest, they will go to such horrible lengths as raping and doing all yeah. kinds of fucked up shit. They, okay, so that's that's where... I'm trying to understand the movie's message. Yeah. Because the movie does very specifically have these soldiers who are obviously representative of toxic masculinity. Like, the absence of women has has made them create amongst their group the men that are most women-like and to treat them poorly. Yeah, yeah. The Donnas that are the ten openers and wear aprons and shit. Yeah, so like they they're obviously representative of toxic masculinity and they're supposed to be bad. We're not supposed to like them. So I again, like what is the movie's overall message? Is it basically when we get together bad things happen or like well, here's the anytime thing. we're we're trying to make the world better, we're actually making it worse for someone else? So the way that I kind of see it is that there's the the group of the infected. Yeah. There are the other people on the other side of the fence from them, which would be this military group. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Everybody's yeah. just following their rage and anger. Yeah. They're both wrong in a lot of ways. Yes, for sure. But then the interesting thing here is that Jim's character, he's almost somewhat of a time traveler when you get down to it. He's right. missed. He's missed he the buildup of this whole the, thing. The destruction of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. He just walked in in the middle of this argument, and yeah. is just kind of observing. Yeah. And his character throughout the movie isn't super. Uh, he's not full of personality and and, no. and stuff like this. He's pretty much just kind of observing what's going on, just kind of going with the flow for most yeah. of the movie. And then if you think about it, by the end of the movie, he ends up kind of taking on traits of both the military group with his strategization right. and stuff, as well as the feral, oh, yeah. he violent aspects just, of the zombie group. Yeah, he becomes just as wild as, as one of them, to the point that Selena's not sure if he's infected or not. So you could say that he kind of takes on characteristics of both groups rather than being caught, you know, being polarized from one side or the other. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes sense. I see that. And there's other little family units and stuff too. Uh, obviously, right. there's, there's Frank and his daughter. Yeah, and then I mean, they, and Mark. Yeah, uh, so when Selena and Jim join Frank and Hannah, eventually they it's, they are a family. Yeah, like they form their own group. Yeah, and and he like Jim even calls Frank dad. Yeah, in his sleep, right. like it's yeah they they're real close. And Selena becomes just extremely defensive and protective of Hannah in a way that completely changes her character. Yeah. Instead of being the person who says, I would I would kill you in a second and I would leave anybody behind that would slow me down to this person who's like, I'll do anything to protect this girl. Right. There's a, yeah, a huge change by the family dynamic. And yeah, again, I mean, is is it saying that we need more family or we need to recognize each other as family more? I mean, that that's a good message that I could say is defensible with this movie. Yeah. That, that we need to recognize each other as family and treat each other that way. The way that Jim's character changes throughout the course of the movie, I think is really fascinating. And did you even notice too that towards the end of the movie when he's like kind of skulking around the, uh-huh. the military base and basically fucking everybody up yeah 
they even start shooting him camera wise they start right. shooting him like a zombie yeah in the frenetic like crazy chaotic style yeah. yeah and there's a scene where like he's hiding he's like hiding behind a car uh-huh. and the camera kind of passes by it and it just sort of passes by him being like stock still like yeah. waiting on his prey yeah like it had shown us the zombies earlier uh-huh which is really neat it is cool yeah and, and i can't help but think that some of these messages, like I said, of, of, of being on the polar extremes of, of any argument, mm-hmm. which again, very relevant today, yeah. I can't help but feel like that stuff was somewhat intentional by Alex Garland because his his books are fucking awesome. Like, yeah. The Beach is this really cool uh, kind of modern Lord of the Flies okay. dystopian thing. It is extremely fucking cool. It's got uh-huh. all kinds of stuff about the Vietnam War in there and Thailand. And wow. It's really cool. It has a really fucked up, crazy ending with it, too. Again, the movie is kind of whatever. Okay. The book is really cool. Worth, I would worth a read. strongly, yeah, okay. strongly recommend it. He wrote this book a couple of years after that called The Tesseract. Yeah, I saw that in his list of books. What's that about? That book is fucking awesome. It is so okay. cool. It's so cool. It's almost like a a pulp fiction style thing where you have like a bunch of like seemingly unrelated stories that then begin kind of crisscrossing over each other in a okay. lot of ways. It's like kind of got Tesseract like sort of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's kind of got those like butterfly effect kind of kind of qualities where this one little thing that happens in this one story has a big effect on this other thing. Oh, okay. I thought you meant butterfly effect the movie. I was like, so Ashton Kutcher's in it? <laughs> Exactly. Amy Smart. Yeah, Ashton yeah. Kutcher is in the book, The Tesseract. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> it's really neat. It's also got a lot of really oddly prophetic stuff about like uh, modern day terrorism and stuff in it. It gets bleak. Hey, speaking of terrorism, most of this movie was shot before 9-11. Yeah. And it has a real 9-11 feel to it at times, yeah. which is also strangely prophetic. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's all these weird things that I think that he was looking ahead into the future and being like, this information age yeah. that we're entering into has the ability to spread information like a virus so fast. Yeah. And make people into these polar extremes. Mm-hmm. I think that he was seeing it coming personally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems pretty clear. Yeah. From just looking at this movie that he had a, at least a vision of the near future. Right. What do you think about the three acts of this movie? Because to me, this yeah. movie is a very clear, like, first, first act, act, second act, London, yeah. second act, the escape. family, yeah, the escape, and third, then third act, act the soldiers, yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that kind of structure for this? I feel like, storytelling-wise, it was great. I feel that the way the film plays out, it gets a bit too slow I can't in the lie. second act. It does. Yeah, it could have been sped up. This movie could be... It's almost an hour 50. Yeah. I could see it going down an hour 30 and still not losing much. I mean, we get... Uh, I, I get that they're trying to help us understand that they're becoming a family in the second act and like we but see we so get much. it. We get it. I get it. Like, yeah, we they're, get it. They're great actors. Yeah. They're the only people I'm spending time with. Yes. They're a family. I yeah. get it. Just a few little poignant scenes, like the grocery store scene. The grocery and stuff. store scene's good. The the nightmare scene, maybe, to just show that, that Jim is finally recognizing the terror that's out there and Dude, the way that, that others are seeing it. That tire change scene where they have to really work as a yeah, group and hold a car. That's really up. good. Dude, most 
tense tire change scene in a movie ever. For sure. Dude, they're in, yeah. that, they're in that tunnel. And Even more tense than Days of Thunder? <laughs> almost. Okay. okay, almost. Cold Trickle. Cold Trickle. That's, a, that's still a good movie, I think. I need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since that should be a wild the card. 90s. Yeah, that should be a wild card. But Michael sometime. Rooker's in it. Uh, John Z. Riley. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. All kinds of good folks. But dude, that scene where they're they're in that tunnel, and again, that's a nice bonding moment where they're they're in the car and they drive over that big heap of cars, and they're all kind of laughing and have yeah. fun with it for just a second. And that would be fun. Yeah, but it's kind of like a monster truck, like we talked yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they get that flat, and they have to change the tire, and they're out there. And dude, when the rats come running down the tunnel, yeah. Listen, anywhere you see a group of rats running, yeah, something's coming. Get the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of the way. <laughs> Because those things are nothing but survivalists. Yeah. When they're running, whatever's behind them is fucking awful. Yeah. Get out of the way. Get away from it. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so, it's so good. So even just that scene where they have to work together to change the tire, even though like at that point, Jim had been kind of bitching about how this is a dumb idea, but they work all together to save their asses and everything. Great, you know, family building scene. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, kind of there around the middle of the second act. Yeah, they stop at the ruins for that picnic. They like they drive to Manchester, which like mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's I'm sure probably if you live over there, it's it would be like us seeing New York City just burnt to the ground or something like yeah. that. See Manchester just leveled. I mean, that's that sucks. Didn't really add anything to the story though. No. I kind of just sort of understood. Yeah, everywhere is fucked. I didn't really need to have this trip of them going. Yeah. to Manchester I mean, I guess it's a it. confirmation. Maybe you're hoping. Well, you get out of London and it'll be better. Right. But yeah, that probably could have been skipped. I always forget how much of the movie takes place on the military base. And to me, that's where the, the yeah. breaks really kind of kind of get hit a little bit. It gets a little slow and it also gets like grossly dark. Yeah. Because yeah. well, we're introduced to this entirely new set of characters in this entirely mm-hmm. new world where it's like, okay, out there, it's total anarchy. There's no government. There's no cops. Yeah. There's no firemen. There's no nothing. And in here, it's we have our own little structure. in order. And yeah, and that's why it's set in a a stuffy mansion and there's like an amazing yard and well-kept bushes and stuff because this is a reminder of the old order mm-hmm. and the old order of things is men are in charge and women are for breeding right yeah yeah yeah. and jim and and selena and hannah luckily helped to destroy it and escape it but it, it is a little long maybe it could have been shortened a little bit i i, I don't know like i feel like Maybe having seen it a few times, you're like, yeah, I know what happens here. And maybe if I was thinking from my perspective the first time seeing it and seeing the tension build and being like, what is happening here? Maybe that works best your first time. But after seeing it a few times, it's like, eh, I feel like you could cut this a little bit tighter. It seems like there could have been some more show yeah. don't tell there. Yeah. Where like they get there and there's kind of like this tour of here's the kitchen. Here's this guy. Here's this. Here's where we keep the zombie chained up. You just have... So, I mean, because it, it does build with just offhand comments and stuff, but like maybe you could have had those happen quicker. The offhand comments where it's like, what is happening here? What are they not telling us? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little clunky. Yeah. I can't lie. Like, I know that this is a lot of people's like favorite zombie flick and it's a beloved well, classic. Yeah, and I do, I do love it, but yeah, yeah it brought back zombie movies. It, it's bored. extremely important. It's very important. Yeah. Yes. But it, it can still be not perfect yeah <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect yeah and it's, and it's not i'm not gonna sit here yeah. and tell you that it's that it is a flaw yeah, I, I did movie. feel like each time i watched it for this i was like 
this is too long. I couldn't come to a point where I appreciated every bit that they threw in and, and didn't think anything could be taken out. There were things that definitely could be shortened, taken out, made quicker, made a little bit more clear quickly so that we can get to the action. But still, this is an awesome movie. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. What do you think about the visual aspect of the flick? Gorgeously shot. Uh, shot in, some some very interesting shots. And you, you were talking about this. There where are. There's some, some very like impressionistic moments, especially when they're driving through where those flowers are. Yeah. The foreground is very impressionistic. It's looking. like wibbly wobbly looking. Yeah. It almost looks like... Uh, Oh shit, what's that movie? It's real pretentious. Stoners love it. They filmed it and then animated around everything. Oh, right. Uh, Richard Linklater's yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 What are, like, ex- it's not existence. It's a uh, fuck. Yeah. Y'all know that what I'm talking about. Yeah. That the one we're talking about. You it know has it. that wibbly wobbly, it's real life, but it's been painted over uh-huh. kind of look. And even earlier in the movie, when Jim is just in London by himself, there's a lot of things where he'll be in the foreground and then the background has this weird yeah, impressionist. Yeah, yeah, like stained, almost like you're looking at it through like an old piece of glass. Yeah, it's, there's some real interesting choices that I think work, but also are like, what is it saying? Like, what is the point? I think it looks cool. It looks cool, but why? Why? Yeah. yeah. That um, I'm not exactly certain about, yeah. personally. And this was shot on digital video, which at the time was yeah. like, holy shit, brand new crazy technology. Right, but also it shows its age really quick. It does. That's yeah. a problem. It like, doesn't look as good as it would if it had been shot on film, I don't think. Absolutely not. And I'm sure that would have drove the budget up. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's even the more. positive of digital filmmaking is that it made these low budget films look better and play out better and have better actors because they're spending less on film. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's something that I think a lot of moviegoers don't really understand is that whenever you shoot a movie on film, the <laughs> development process yeah. costs so Color correction, much. all that stuff. It, yeah. it's, it's expensive. And then also that you, you have to do that for all of it. So yeah. you can then figure out what you want in your final product. It's so time-consuming and expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's like y'all remember... But with digital, it's like so easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the dailies are just right there on the camera. Oh, yeah. You look at them immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's the kind of thing where to put it into, into perspective, it's like we all remember what it used to be... Like, well, not all of us, but some of us remember <laughs> what it used to be like to you know get a roll of film developed. Right. And it's like you take it, you drop it off, you pay 10 bucks to get 24 prints or whatever back... Uh-huh. Now imagine that you're doing that 24 times for every second in your movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how much it costs to get film developed. And you're doing this for an hour 50. And editing then is going frame by frame and cutting... With a razor blade. You, with a razor blade where you don't want and then taking the part that you do want, taping that together. like Insanity. That yeah. is, that's one of those things, man, where when you look back on it that way and you realize that some of these like historic groundbreaking fucking Ben-Hur and right. Casablanca and all this shit were made by people sitting around uh-huh. cutting film with razor blade. Yeah. It makes you really realize how bored people were back then. <laughs> it's like the world is so boring. I have to make this movie. I gotta do it. It's just so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and also too, it makes you realize how bored people were because they thought Casablanca was a great movie. It's so good. boring. It's good. I like it. It's so boring. It's good. Well, it doesn't help. <laughs> you that. don't like that black and white. Okay. There's there's that yeah. aspect. There are some black and white movies that I do like. Okay. 
I think honestly what ruined it for me is that I had to watch it for that really shitty, stupid intro to uh, philosophy class I had in college. Oh, yes. Was we had the Dr. same teacher. Dr. Gary Aquaviva. Yeah, my name, the same guy. Dude, this guy, If I, I'm sure I've, I've mentioned this at some point before. First day of class, my name is Dr. Aquaviva. My name literally translates into the water of life. Yeah. I'm your philosophy teacher. Go fuck yourself. It's it's not hard to feel superior to people in Morristown, Tennessee. <laughs> in a philosophy class. Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this being shot on digital definitely did bring the budget down, but it also definitely did date it in a very, very real yeah, way. I does. would I would look at this movie and if I didn't know that it was made in 2002, I would guess it was made in 98 or 97. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, it just does kind of old and shitty. Yeah, it doesn't look as good as it should. No. Yeah. yeah, like if this movie was shot on today's digital cameras, it would it would be fucking great looking. In case, in case we're not clear, we're not saying the framing is bad or the, no, cin- the, the cinematography is gorgeous. Literally just it's the quality. It's just the quality of the digital yeah. video. It's kind of like me saying the snare drum on those Beatles records doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's real specific. <laughs> yeah. It probably doesn't bother most people. Yeah, it, it also doesn't make the song suck. No. <laughs> so there's that aspect of it too. What do you think about the soundtrack on this thing, dude? It's great. It's so fucking good. Especially the first of the movie when he's all alone and you got those Godspeed You Black Emperor Uh tracks playing. And and like, it's a real great way that it builds the tension with the music as he's moving around that it gets just more and more and more. And then it's just like real intense music when he's running away from the the first infected he comes across. It's so great. Have you listened to some uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor before? Not really. No. They're pretty fucking rad. Gotta check man. them out. It's that kind of music that I really love, but I never really find myself in the mood to listen to it. I would say uh, check out Mogwai. Uh, it's that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. you know Mogwai. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did They did all the music for Les Revenants, the what French uh, zombie show. And yeah, it reminded me of that. And, and I think that like the music in this defined zombie movie music for a while. Yeah. It was kind of the way everybody looked at the way to make a good zombie movie is to have this sort of atmospheric uh, music that brings you into the tension slowly, but then it's just intense. Right. Yeah. Well, the soundtracks in this do the really great thing that you can do with licensed music because you know mostly all the soundtrack in this is licensed music but it does that thing where it doesn't tell you how to feel about the scene that you're watching (laughs) but just it agrees with how you're already feeling yeah it doesn't throw in a movie where it's like zombies are sad yeah dude be sad about these zombies oh my god man there's so many soundtracks that are just fucking ruined by a song just blatantly telling you this is a sad part Mm -hmm. here's the happy part oh I'm supposed to be sad oh I'm so sad now god the words in the song told me to be sad Mm. you know but man some of the other parts in this that really stick out in my head are Whenever he goes to his parents' house where they've killed themselves and it's playing, it's almost like a, like a hymn. Yeah. It's like a, if I recall, like maybe an acapella or just mainly vocal and simple instrumentation. Leading up hymn. to it, they're pl- they were playing a hymn, like the, the walk to the house. Yeah. I don't know if it's playing when they get there, but they're playing. I think it's playing. in the house for a little okay. while. Uh, Abide with me is what's playing. There you go. Yeah. Really just enhances that scene and makes you see just how bittersweet that whole situation yes. is. Which, by the way, too, I meant to ask, 
Whenever you went to the church early in the movie, uh-huh. did all those people kill themselves? It, they were sitting in the pews, and it, they were all dead. They weren't, like, mangled and bloody. It looked like either, yeah, either they had all killed themselves or either they had all gathered there to pray for protection, and then they, of course, didn't get it, and they yeah. died. So this movie also does display uh, its influences, I think, in a somewhat obvious way Uh i think the way that it starts off with the whole kind of survival last man on earth thing is very omega man yeah oh yes that is very much what is happening when he's walking through the streets and there's nobody there yeah yeah and then later on it starts to mix in that military industrial complex and chained up test zombie yeah that we see in uh day of the dead day of the dead Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of influences this definitely wears on its sleeves. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that they were trying to hide the influence of Romero's movies or any of the other zombie movies they're obviously taking from. I think they took it a different way, for sure. Because uh, Day of the Dead, it has a lot of good to say, but it is more campy than serious, it seems. Mm-hmm. And th- this is this takes a very serious look at what it would be like if people basically became these mindless killing machines and how other people would survive that and deal with that. There's some really cool stuff in this flick, man. I I do enjoy it very much. I think it's one of the, definitely one of the better zombie flicks from this era. Just one of the better horror flicks in this era. For sure. Period, I would say. For sure. Yeah, that that early to mid-2000s era was lacking from time to time. And this movie... And I mean, Dog Soldiers, which we covered last week, they, I think they did a good job of being dark, but also really connecting it to humanity. I mean, Dog Soldiers is, of course, more comedic, but there's still a lot more humanity to the characters. And this, the characters, you get them, you understand them, and you you feel like if I were in that situation, I would be this person or I would be that person. Yeah, unlike a lot of horror flicks where you do, do you're just, just like that person's stupid. This person's dumb. I would never be like these people. They make dumb decisions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or you know, kind of like in you know my complaint with Dog Soldiers. Where I'm like, all these characters are just kind of the same. I don't right. really care about yeah. them. I feel like all the characters in this are really fleshed out and uh-huh. have unique drives and ambitions and ways to survive. Yeah, uh, I think there's some really cool stuff in here. Some great gore, some good kills oh, and stuff in man. there. Man, that part where, uh, is it Mark? Is that his name? The guy that Selena's with? Yes, when he gets bitten. Dude, and she just, without hesitation, just murders him with a machete. Ass. Dude, and he's like holding his, uh, his I don't know, arm, dude, his gets arm chopped up. off. That's one yeah. of those things that we, we've seen in a few movies. We saw it in, in opera uh-huh. and a couple other flicks. If somebody's attacking you with a knife, you put your hands up in the air to try to block yourself. Yeah, involuntarily. And then your hands and your arms get chopped off. Yeah. And the way that it's filmed is really clever. Whenever he's getting like his fucking arm hacked off with that machete, uh-huh. you don't really see it, but for maybe like two frames. Oh, yeah, it's real quick. It's and mostly very, you see her doing the action and the blood splurting up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And him putting his arms up and you just kind of understanding what's happening. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot how grisly that kill scene is. It's very grisly. Holy shit. And there's a lot of great, yeah, just flying gore and blood and yeah. stuff and zombies and other people getting shot and blown up yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Really good effects. I didn't see a lot of like shit digital effects, which would be common I don't think in this that era. there were any. I mean, if, eh. as far as I could tell, there wasn't anything digital done. It looked mostly entirely practical. Those were obviously contacts when they had the red eyes. Like, right. Yeah, I'm 
can't think of anything in there that would have been digital. And I can't think of any effects that didn't look convincing. No, I think about it either. It was all really well done. Great. You got any final thoughts? I do. Rating for this flick, Steve. I do. This movie is in some ways on par with the night of the living dead for its importance in the genre of zombie movies Mm -hmm. in that it showed that zombie movies didn't have to be the campy return of the living dead, which again, we love return of the living dead. Oh yeah. It's great, but it didn't have to be these, these campy, basically easy to shoot movies because a zombie can be just a person with a little gore on their face. It didn't have to be that it, it could be these deep thought experiments that George Romero was creating before. It could be this uh, way of exercising our demons of saying like, you know, this is all the worst of humanity. Like, let's get it out. Let's see it and think about how we would get past it and how we could be better. So it's extremely important. It brought zombie movies back for that period where zombie movies were again, very popular. They haven't gone away entirely, I don't think. We're not seeing as many as we saw in the early 2000s, but you still see zombie movies. I mean, we just watched The Dead Don't Die, which was a zombie movie that we enjoyed. Right. That's so, awesome. yeah, there's still there's still good zombie movies, but this this brought about a period of great zombie media, and it also is just in general a really nicely put together, well-written movie with great characters. So if I'm going to score this, putting it in context and, you know, still thinking about its flaws, which it, it does have, I think for me, this is an eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's very reasonable. I, I'm, I'm not too far off from you there. Okay. I'm not too far off. Uh, again, it's one of those that, uh, as I've said with many other movies we've done on the show, it, it's fun watching these movies that I've seen many times before for the show because I just look at them with a more analytical eye and I'm like, what are they really trying to say here? Yeah. Like, is there some kind of deeper message going on? Sometimes there isn't and sometimes there is. And, and like I said, in this movie, I just kind of got this message about th- these polarized groups and uh-huh. mob mentality and rage and how the, the oncoming social media age might have a, a part in those things. Yeah. And maybe I'm looking into it too much because I just see so much of that these days. Yeah, that's you know? true. Maybe I'm looking for it and that's why I'm seeing it. I don't know. Maybe. But it's still a very enjoyable watch. It does look dated. A little bit, yeah. You know, it just definitely looks like, okay, they shot this on one of the first digital cameras that was available yeah. to them. Doesn't look great. It's kind of like looking at your old MySpace pictures where it's like, yeah. that looks like it was taken on a <laughs> half megapixel phone. You zoom in and you're like, what am I looking at? Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. all pixels. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. But the performances in it, I think, are really good. Again, small cast of characters that you feel very connected with very fast. Great gore. The zombies are cool. Awesome soundtrack. Uh, the pacing is kind of a bummer. Yeah. To me, it's I, like I would agree with that. Once they reach the base, I, I'm kind of checked out a little bit, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, it just really hits the brakes because there's so much explaining that has to be done yeah. once they get there. Yeah. So, too much explaining to do. Yeah. Like, I would have been totally happy if the movie was, you know, the first half is him alone in, in London trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. Yeah. And then the rest of it is him meeting up with his family and trying to escape. Yeah. I'd have been fine. Okay. I didn't even need to get to the base personally. Yeah. You know? So that kind of drags and slows down for me a little bit. That being said, it's still a good flick and very important, like you said. So mm. I think I would probably say that this is a 
You know, I'm going to say seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half. It's fair. You know, it's not one of those ones that I'm giddy to watch again. It's not a feel-good watch. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, it's not one of those that I want to watch because it looks so great. Because, again, the digital video right. looks kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. But it's just a good movie. It's a great movie. Seven yeah. and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah. So thanks so much, Katie. Yeah, thanks. For putting this one in, supporting us on Patreon. This is fun for me to do these Patreon picks because, yeah, it just kind of lets us be passengers in the car and not at yeah. the steering wheel for I a mean, minute. I mean, this is a movie we would have covered anyway, but yeah, totally. it would eventually have to come down to one of us being like, I want to do 28 Days Later right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, fun stuff. So, thank you guys so much for participating with us here. Now, next week on the show, we're going to be doing our yearly wild card. We're going back to old Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. What, what? That way we can talk about the third installment of the Harry Potter series, The Prisoner uh-huh. of Ass Cabin. That's the one. We've already done uh, <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. We've already done uh, Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone, Stone. Sorcerer's Stone. You guys be sure and go and check out those back episodes. They are super fucking funny and a yeah, lot of fun. Are. And um, you may have noticed that we we were light on British accents this week, despite the fact we were covering a British movie. Uh-huh. We're saving and up. And Chris Eccleston having that accent that he has. The Doctor. The Doctor. Boy, I love his accent. Well, we did this specifically because Harry Potter is going to be full of us doing British accents because... Everybody in Harry Potter has a different British accent, and they're all fun to try to do. And we know we've got a lot of dead and lobsters out there, our loyal British redcoat listeners. Yeah, we didn't want we didn't want to offend you for three weeks. In <laughs> yeah, because Tom Soldiers and this and Harry Potter, it's like there's a lot of British stuff going on yeah. on the show right now. <laughs> so you guys better fucking buckle up because next week <laughs> is going to be a real assault, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> it'll be silly yeah you guys be sure to tune in for that Uh, in the meantime you guys be sure to support us on the Patreon page at Uh, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely or you guys can select the tier of choice yeah and uh, yeah if you like the show even even a one time donation of a buck hell it helps y'all yeah you can send us uh, if you just want to send us a one time donation paypal.me forward slash dead and lovely there's that too yeah if you if you don't want to commit to something monthly that's fine uh, you can also find us at Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We have a Facebook group, Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast group, and we have a Discord. If you want the link to that, uh, either become a Patreon subscriber and uh, go through the process of linking up your Patreon and your your Discord, or just email us and I'll send you the Discord link. Yeah, we'll work it out. There's a Patreon exclusive channel, but there's also just a general channel. Right. So y'all come hang out with us. Well, in the meantime, you guys have just been so goddamn fantastic for the listening best. to this show. Just the best. Just the best. Meanwhile, we've been Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. We are dead and lovely, and we'll be seeing you guys next week. Bye-bye.
I just uh, I just started listening to Billie Eilish. I think she's called Eilish. Yeah, I kind of like dig her. it. I like her. I'm I pretty don't on board with it. People just every old person hates everything teenagers do. Yeah, they're yeah. so lamp. I like everybody. I've heard say shit about Billie Eilish. They're like so depressing, and it's like, have you listened to the music? Because it's not. <laughs> it's not depressing at all. No, not really. Yeah, no. and as if depressing music can't be good. It's like, right. Have you ever listened to maybe The Cure? Right. And she and her brother make all of the music, and the videos are sick. And they're from Highland Park, where I used to live in California. Oh no doubt. Yeah, which is a cool little area to be from. And she has her own donut. At Donut Friend, which is an amazing place to get a donut if yeah. you're in LA, yeah. What is her donut rig like? I don't remember what it is, but they also that place has a, a Gigi Allen donut. Does it have shit frosting? No, on it? but it has it has a uh, jam in it, like blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it, uh, Billie Eilish's maybe has blue hair on it. Maybe it does. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. 